0: It's the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
1: Great moments are
2: born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here. That's what you've earned here tonight. Forget about
3: the crowds, the size of the school, their fancy uniforms, and remember what got you here. If you put your effort and concentration into playing to your potential, to be the best that you can be, I don't care what the scoreboard says, at the end of the game, in my book, we're gonna be winners. On this team, we tear ourselves
4: and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch because we know... When we add up all those inches, that, that, that's going to make the f***ing difference between winning and losing.
0: It's Down to the Wire with, with, with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Oh, Petey! Oh, Petey! On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Hello, Long Island, New York, and around the country! This is
4: Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Mr... Heidi Whitey man himself, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can reach us and call us at 631-965-4990. You can also go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. Download our app. How do you do that? go to iOS, WWSRN, or Android. Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey, what is going on, my friend? How was your weekend? How was your wonderful divisional
2: uh, football weekend? makeshift for the most part because I was watching a lot of the games on my phone. Cause I was helping out my aunt move a lot of the uh, mattresses from my grandparents' house into her new house. So physically grueling. So I was watching a lot of it on my phone, um, but enjoyed the games. So some some good games. Some some sloppy ones we we saw with the Ravens, terribly the Bills sloppy. especially, terribly the Ravens sloppy. and the Bills especially. I don't know what I don't know what happened to Justin Tucker, but geez,
4: I don't know what happened to Lamar Jackson. Too, yeah, <laughs> I mean he's lost it. I, I don't know what the hell is going on right now with the Ravens. I think the Ravens uh, in the offseason are going to have to decide on what they're going to do when it comes to their quarterback position. Yeah, because to me, Lamar Jackson is a great regular season quarterback. But this guy can't get over the hump. He won last week, uh, a very close game, a game that could have went either way. Mm-hmm. And then this week against the Buffalo Bills, where I thought they were the more talented team, they got their butts weamed. And I say weemed, not reamed, because that's the way I look at it. it. There was no win or lose to it. It was a weem. And it's, there's no such thing as a word, but I, I just <laughs> gave that word. But um, Baltimore did not look good this week. They didn't. And and now you're looking in the offseason. They definitely have, have to evaluate what they're going to do at the quarterback position. Being that this, this draft class has some talented quarterbacks later in possibly in the second and early third round, maybe Baltimore looks possibly into um, making a move for a backup quarterback for Lamar Jackson in the second round. Right. I mean, right now, you can't depend on Lamar Jackson to win the big game. So if you can't depend on your starting quarterback to win the big game, you have to have that backup in hand to possibly move into that position because RG3 was hurt. He wasn't in that game when when, they, when he got hurt. Mm-hmm. And then they bring in a guy that we never even heard of. So, again, Baltimore moving forward in the offseason. They have a talented team. They have one of the most talented. talented defensive teams in the league. Humphreys is one of the best corners in the league. Uh, they added uh, Campbell in the offseason. You would think that that was going to help him. He was out the whole season because of injury. And and they're going to lose some defensive players. They are. This offseason, they
2: might lose. What are the two guys that are available? Uh, Matt Judon, who was a Pro Bowler this year. So mm-hmm. they're going to have to pay him pretty big. And Yannick Nagakwe, Both of them are Pro Bowl players. Mm-hmm. So
4: one or the other, they're going to have to decide who they want. And I think they're going to probably keep Ngagwe. I think I think they're so, yeah. I think they're going to let Judon go. So... In, in thought, Baltimore is probably going to be in a worse situation next year going into the season because they're going to lose players uh, in free agency. So uh, as, a, as a Jet fan and as uh, uh, the Jets looking for a pass rusher, I think Judon would be a perfect fit for the New York Jets, putting them in, and matching them up with C.J. Mosley in the offseason. I think that would make a lot of sense for the New York Jets, adding that uh, edge
2: rusher that they desperately need. By the way, your best friend, Eric Martini, already in the comments section, bragging about Tom Brady. Oh, so,
4: so wait a second. <laughs> uh, did anybody watch the game, uh, the last game of, on Sunday? And I know a lot of people are giving Tom Brady all the credit in the world. Tom Brady did not have a good game. So everybody that keeps talking about Tom Brady, that Tom Brady won the game. Tom Brady played a good game. He didn't make any mistakes. 18 for 33, 199 yards, and two touchdowns is not a great game. So I don't know where you're coming up that it's a great game. Tampa's defense played sensational. They outplayed the Saints defense, who to me is probably one of the most underrated defenses in the league. One of the top three all-around defenses in the league. They made a lot of mistakes. The Saints made a lot of mistakes, especially offensively. And that's why they lost the game. It had nothing to do with Tom Brady, Eric. So I don't know why you keep calling him the GOAT. I, I don't understand why. If you watch the same game I watched, and I know there's a lot of people that watch the game, and I don't want to hear about Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Drew Brees. This has nothing to do with Tom Brady. The game was won by the trenches. We say this all the time. The better running team and the better defense wins the game. Who ran better yesterday? Leonard Fournette. He ran better than Alvin Kamara. That's why they won. And their defense. Their defense played sensational. Absolutely sensational. Ronald Jones had 13 carries for 62 yards. You had 17 carries for 63 yards for Leonard Fournette. Alvin Kamara had 18. He was the only good runner on that team. 18 for 85 yards. No
2: touchdowns. You're not going to win like that. And you're definitely not going to win when your best receiver by far has no, no catches. Exactly. It was the defense that won it
4: for the Buccaneers. Not Brady. I am so tired of looking and listening to people all over social media. Oh, look. there was Tom Brady. It was Tom Brady. It wasn't Tom Brady. Watch the game, Eric. All you fans out there, stop calling Tom Brady. Now, I'm not saying Tom Brady wasn't, isn't one of the top five quarterbacks of all time. I'm not attacking that. I think he is. I think he is. But to say yesterday it was because of the GOAT, it was because of Tom Brady, it wasn't because of Tom Brady. I don't know what you were watching if you think Tom Brady was the reason why the Buccaneers won that game. Go look at the numbers.
2: Eric also says Brady outplayed Breeze. Yes, we know, but Breeze didn't play well, so that's not. No, we really didn't. Much.
4: <laughs> and Breeze also has broken ribs. He he shouldn't have even played in the game. But they weren't going to win with Tyson Hill.
2: Tyson Hill He didn't even play either.
4: No, he didn't. He didn't. He, he, he screwed up the one time they caught the ball. He screwed up and lost yardage. It wasn't Tom Brady that won the game. He's better than Peyton Manning. Whatever you say, Eric. I don't know what you're. I don't know what you if you're you're going to take shots at Peyton Manning. That, 199 yards, 18 for what, 33 or whatever I said? Mm-hmm. That's not a good game. That's Peyton Manning-esque, his last season of his career
2: in the playoffs. Right, nobody says that Peyton Manning was the reason they won those games. Even though he played okay in the Super Bowl, it's the defense. It's C.J. Anderson. The
4: Saints <laughs> had a great pass defense. Yes, they did. Mm-hmm. And what did they do offensively? They made mistakes. They threw the ball into bad coverage. Watch the game, Eric. If you can honestly sit here and tell me that Tom Brady was the reason why they won, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. You are not watching the same game. Because he wasn't. Both guys didn't play well. Drew Brees and Tom Brady didn't do well. It was a battle of the defenses. And you know who won? The Buccaneers. They made more plays. That's why they won. That has nothing to do with Brady. And I don't care what Tony Dungy calls Brady. Who cares? Who that has no, Tony Dungy, of all people, that's taken shots at Tom Brady, has taken shots at Bill Belichick over the years. All of a sudden he calls him of the GOAT. Who cares what he says?
2: I think it's also just magnifying it for the broadcast, too, being it's probably Brady and Breeze's last matchup, unless Breeze does come back next year. But they could just say that just to say that. Anybody, anybody
4: that is going to sit here and say that Tom Brady had a good game wasn't watching the right game. I, I don't know what the hell you were watching. 18 for 33, 199 yards, two touchdowns, is not a good game. And the two touchdowns he threw were short pass touchdowns. Passes right at the five-yard line. Me and you could have made the throws, Speedy. Okay? I'm not taking shots at Tom Brady. He won the game. You win the game, you win the game. But it wasn't because of Tom Brady why they won. It was because of the defense and the running game. They outran one of the best running teams in all of football. That's why they won. Watch the game. Why are you going to go on social media? And and this is the problem with social media. This is, this is the problem when it comes to people and, and spectators that watch the same game and they say, Well, oh, Tom Brady's the GOAT. You see him win the game? He beat Drew Brees. Oh, that, that. Okay, he didn't beat Drew Brees. Drew Brees beat himself in the game. That's what happened. Drew Brees beat himself. Tom Brady didn't. That's why Tom Brady won.
2: And judge a game for what it is. I know the quarterbacks are going to create the storylines, but they're not the only thing just because they're the most important position. The three best players for Tampa Bay in that game were Devin White, Carlton Davis, and Tristan Wirfs. The not game. Tom Brady. Anybody that's
4: going to sit here and tell me that Tom Brady was the reason why they won the game were, don't know what they're talking about. Because Tom Brady, I guarantee you, is not going to take credit for winning that game. And now he's going to go into Green Bay next week, and he's going to have to throw a lot more than 199 yards to beat the Green Bay Packers, okay? There is no way they're going to go into Green Bay in a cold, dark night on Sunday, okay, when it's probably going to snow next week, go into Green Bay, probably 15, 16, 17 degrees, and beat... Aaron Rodgers, the way he is playing, because Aaron Rodgers is is the hottest quarterback right now in the playoffs. It's not even a question. You want to say Josh Allen's playing good football? You could put Josh Allen there. But besides Josh Allen, the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, has been absolutely amazing uh, so far. You saw what he did against the LA Rams. A very good defense. One of the best defenses in the league. The number one defense in the league. Aaron Donald was crying after the game. That's how much I love Aaron Donald. I love... The personality of who he is. He put his team on his shoulders and even losing the game, he showed how much passion he has for the game of football. I love that about Aaron Donald. I really do. I'm not going to attack Aaron Donald for uh, attacking, you know, for what he did. Uh, And what is he saying? Be prepared to see Brady in the Super Bowl. Okay. Be prepared to nothing. And and let me ask you a question, Eric, because you're so in love with Tom Brady. Okay? Because you know everything about Tom Brady. You know more (laughs) about Tom Brady than anybody else does. You're going to honestly sit here and tell me that in the last, I don't know, two seasons, Tom Brady has played good football? Because the answer is no. Tom Brady, his last season with the Patriots, was not good. This year, he had a pretty good regular season. He really did. Numbers-wise, it would show that. But so far in the playoffs against Washington, I don't care if he threw 380 yards. He played the Washington football team. And he didn't play well. Washington had a chance to win the game. Okay? He almost got beaten by a backup backup quarterback. Fourth string
2: quarterback.
4: <laughs> I don't care if he's 43 years old, Eric. Why are you bringing up his age? What do, what is it with you? What is the love fest? The love fest of Tom Brady. You are a Jet fan. You're not going to sit here on I'm not going to sit here on national radio and praise Tom Brady. If Tom Brady had a good game, I'd say, you know, Tom Brady had a f- sensational game. Tom Brady was one of the worst quarterbacks this week. You know you know who played better than him? Baker Mayfield. Baker Mayfield played better than Tom Brady. Baker Mayfield.
2: That's a lot coming from you.
4: <laughs> okay, so, so that tells you one thing. Tom Brady did not have a good week, statistically, and he wasn't the reason why they won. Because... No. Baker Mayfield had a better game than Tom
2: Brady. <laughs> Which isn't saying much, but still. <laughs> Coming out of you, that's, that's pretty amazing as the biggest Baker Mayfield critic. <laughs> and, and, and first of all, it has
4: nothing to do with Brady being a pad. It has nothing to do with any of that. Stop saying that. I, I, I can't stand, Eric, I love you. I can't stand when you sit here and you talk about Tom Brady and how great he is. Tom Brady is great. If you're going to tell me he was the reason why they won yesterday, you don't know what you're talking about. You weren't watching the same game. It wasn't because of him. It was because of Todd Bowles' defense. That's why they won. An ex-New York Jet is the reason why they won.
2: And possibly another head coach with the Eagles, maybe. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be funny.
4: <laughs> Probably. And I could you imagine Eric Bieniemy not getting a job again this year? Oh my god! What does that say? Oh my! God. What does that say about it's a disgraceful. guy? Graceful. I mean, seriously. This guy has been interviewing for the last three seasons. He has interviewed at least 16 times, 16 coaching jobs. He has not landed one of them.
2: Maybe the Texans look at their wish after all. (laughs) Probably. I don't think he's going to take the job. I don't think so either because, according to reports, nobody wants the Texans' job whatsoever. And they say it's like the coaching job in the last... 10 years, that has been the worst situation. We've seen winless Browns teams, dysfunctional Jaguars and Lions and teams like that. And this Texans team, that was a playoff team last year, all of a sudden is the worst coaching vacancy. And I also feel bad, I, I'll say this, I feel
4: bad for a guy like Patrick Mahomes because now you're going to an AFC title game, you don't know if he's going to be 100%. I do believe right. he's going to play. I'll be very surprised if Patrick Mahomes doesn't play in the AFC title game against uh, Josh Allen. Mm-hmm. But you're playing a healthy Josh Allen, a Josh a, a different Josh Allen. Uh, uh, to me, one of the elite quarterbacks right now in the NFL. He is sensational. He has a sensational team. Uh, Stefan Diggs, who I can't stand, is playing great football. They're even running the ball very well, which I'm very, very surprised. The Buffalo Bills are not a very good running team, and they ran the ball pretty
2: well against the Baltimore Ravens. Watch out for this X-Factor, too, with the Bills running game because they, they, they lost Zach Moss for the season. They signed Devontae Freeman last week, who, granted, hasn't played well this season, but he was very good in the playoffs for Atlanta when he was there. And that could be a big X factor against a team that's a below-average run defense. Uh, It's so interesting when you look at these games. The Green Bay
4: Packers versus now the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now you have... The two old guys, two old quarterbacks, I, don't, I, think, I still think Aaron Rodgers is in, the, is in the prime of his career. I think he's still the best quarterback in the NFL. He's proven that he's still the best quarterback. When healthy, nobody is better than Aaron Rodgers. Nobody if anybody didn't watch that game against the LA Rams and how he threw the ball and it, he, was, he was getting sacked and he was throwing the ball 60 you know, 30, 40 yards, okay, and getting it to guys that you never even heard of. Okay, Look at the wide receiving core that Aaron Rodgers has. There is not one big name except one. Devontae Adams is the only big name on that team. Everybody else would probably be a third or fourth string on every other team. And he's still making the throws. He's still throwing over 300 and some odd yards. He's still throwing three to four touchdowns a game. That's how good Aaron Rodgers is. Tom Brady is stacked with superstars. Antonio Brown. Go ahead. Evans. Who else? Godwin. Godwin. Give Cam- me another one. Two good tight ends. Cameron Bray and Gronk. I, I Bronk, mean, yeah, look, at back, look at the weapons. Look at the running yeah. backs he has. Mm-hmm. Jones and Fournette. Mm-hmm. He's got weapons all over the field. You look at Aaron Rodgers, he's got two weapons. Aaron Jones.
2: And Devontae Adams.
4: And Devontae Adams. That's it. That's all the weapons he has. That's it. And look what he has done. Look what he did against the LA Rams. He completely dusted... The L.A. Rams, a hot defense, one of the hottest defense going into the playoffs, completely beat them up in the open field. Will he do that against Tampa? Now, White is playing great football. He, he's unbelievable. We all knew he was going to be a great, talented player. Mm-hmm. He was a top-ten player. We all knew what the Buccaneers were getting, even though he hurt himself the first year and he was out for the whole season. You see what he is in his first full season as a player. You know what he's going to be. He's going to be one of the best linebackers in the league. He's fast. He can do everything. He can stop the run. He can get to the quarterback. He does everything good. But in this game, who is going to take out Devontae Adams. Now, Devontae Adams is a different kind of beast. Now, I know when you talk about Thomas, Thomas has been, last year he was the best wide receiver in the league. To me, Devontae Adams in the last five years has been the best all-around wide receiver in the league. And when healthy, he's unstoppable.
2: Now, the other question is, too, will they have a different game plan for... Uh, Devontae Adams similar to what they had from Michael Thomas because Carlton Davis did a great job but they also did some zone uh, s- schemes too. Are you
4: listening to what he is saying? Uh, and <laughs> Evans and Godwin are, don't even break the top oh, stop. 10. stop. Why? Because the the numbers don't show that he is? You're spreading out the offense. He's not depending on one player. Right. That's why they're not in the top ten. Eric. Eric, open your eyes. Are you talking? You're talking about one of the best wide receivers in the league for the last five seasons in Evans. In Godwin. The last three years, he's been as good as anybody in the slot. What are you talking about? Because they're not in the top ten, he's spreading the offense out. He's got so many weapons. Look at the weapons. If you have one player, Devontae Adams, yes, he's going to have 1,300, 1,400 yards because he's going to throw them the ball 90%
2: of the time. Eric, Mike Evans has been a top ten receiver his entire career so far and has been some some years top five. Godwin is, if he's not top ten, he's 12 or 13. And Brown never even gets the ball. You know why Brown never gets the ball?
4: He's a decoy. That's why. He just came in the middle of the season. They're using him as a decoy. You watch. If Brown comes back and they go to the Super Bowl, he plays next week. Knowing that he is a decoy, he will throw him the ball more if the Green Bay Packers expect him to throw to Evan to Godwin. Come on. Eric, you've been watching football for a very, very long time. A very, very long time. For you to go on here and tell me, because they don't break the top ten right now in stats, you're going to tell me they're not top ten players? Godwin and Evan's... Were top ten players last year. Top ten with a backup quarterback and Jameis Winston. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? I'm so tired of this. Antonio Brown, if he played a full season and he didn't miss a full season last year, Antonio Brown has been one of the best wide receivers of of all time.
2: Of all time. Alright, he said now, where did Winston take Evans and Godwin? Nowhere. Okay, but that doesn't mean- hold on one
4: second. Hold on one <laughs> yeah, second. Go ahead. Hold on one second. So, so wait a second. Because Jameis Winston didn't take Evans and Godwin anywhere. First of all, Tom Brady has a better offensive line than Jameis Winston ever had. Yes. Okay. Ever had. That's one. Number two, they never had Leonard Fournette last year. They never had Jones. Two viable running backs. Okay. Now you have two consistent t- tight ends in. Uh, what's Brady. his name? Uh, I'm sorry, Brady right. mm-hmm. and um Bronk, <laughs> two guys. One guy that's a Hall of Fame. The other guy who last year was one of the best tight ends in the league. Brady gets sacked a whole lot. Yeah, so Brady gets sacked a whole lot. Brady gets sacked a whole lot. That's why his offensive line it, he has had. If you look at Jameis Winston, he was one of the league's worst, uh, league's best sack guys mm-hmm. last year. You look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady is probably. He's probably getting sacked seventh or eighth right now out of all the quarterbacks yeah. in the NFL,
2: and a lot of that has to do with injuries too. Ali Marpet was out for. A I don't have year. the numbers in front right. of me, so I don't know exact. I, I, I think their offensive line was like thirteenth or something like that in the league this year. That's great. And again, a lot of that has to do. I could have been better. A lot of that has to do with Marpet and Jensen. Their interior. Their line was
4: twenty ninth in the league last year mm-hmm. with Jameis Winston.
2: Right. This year they were thirteenth. That's great. And again, going back to your initial comment, Eric. Jameis Winston was never a bad yardage quarterback either. He wasn't a good leadership-winning quarterback because he threw 20-something interceptions every year. And Bill, Belichick, not does not, Bill Belichick
4: does not need Brady, okay? Bill Belichick
2: lost nine
4: starters this year to COVID-19. His starting left tackle was out. His Three of his starting or defensive players sat out all season. Don't come on this and tell me that... Bill Belichick, because you're going to see next year, Bill Belichick didn't need Tom Brady. Because Bill Belichick, again, next year will be on top of that division on one of the top teams in the AFC. And you think with Matthew Stafford. (laughs) Yes, I do. Mm -hmm. I think Matthew Stafford will be on his way over there to Tom Brady's uh, old team, the
2: Bill Belichick. Patriots, okay. (laughs) A year after they fire an ex-Patriots coach, they get the Patriots get an ex-Lions quarter. Okay, so
4: Brady doesn't need. Okay, uh, uh, Eric, I'm willing to bet you that Brady doesn't win the Super Bowl this year. He's not going to win it because he's going to have to go. And I I don't get. Listen, I don't want to hear that. Go Jets. You are a Brady fan, so you're not a Jet fan. But yesterday, I want to go off this Tom Brady thing. The the games the last the last couple of weeks. The things that really stood out to me so far in this playoff is Aaron Rodgers, how dominant he is, how special he is, and what he is doing this year. He is going to break records in the playoffs this year. I really do believe that. I think We haven't even seen the best of Aaron Rodgers yet. I don't think we have. Mm-hmm. I, and I think I picked Baltimore to win the Super Bowl. The way the Green Bay Packers are playing right now, who's going to beat them? Who's going to beat them?
2: I think, yeah, that, that's an interesting matchup when you look at what the Packers could be. The one big key against Tampa will be they have to be able to stop one the Yes, run. I
4: thought, by the way, he says, as yes, I did say the Saints. I didn't think the Saints were going to make as many mistakes as they did offensively.
2: No, no I Nobody didn't. did. <laughs> right.
4: Everybody thought that Alvin Kamara was going to touch the ball more than 18 times.
2: He didn't. Not only that, you you never know Drew Brees for turnovers. If and you, everybody was taking, you
4: you especially, has taken shots. You have especially taking
2: shots at Tampa's defense, and Tampa's defense showed up. That's why they won. Go ahead, Speedy. I was going to say, the, Drew Brees, when he struggled, is not really struggles because he had turnovers either. In this game, he had turnovers, he had two interceptions, one of them was a pick six. And that's uncharacteristic of it, too. And that is, wait for it, the Buccaneers' defense making plays when they need to. Yeah, they made a lot of, a lot of plays, especially in the fourth quarter.
4: Uh, Drew Brees couldn't do anything. It wasn't... Tom, go look at Tom Brady's numbers in the fourth quarter. They weren't good. He, 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 they weren't good. What won the game was Tampa's defense. In the second half of the game, they dominated the second half. They dominated the line of scrimmage. They stopped Alvin Kamara. That's why they won. Brady is more clutch. Brady wasn't clutch. How many times? Uh, the Bs. Put him on. Put him on. I don't care what he says. Go ahead, Beev. What do you want to talk about?
3: How are you, my friend?
4: What are you gonna what are you gonna say? Tom Brady was the reason why they won? Let's hear
3: it. What? No, Tom- but Tom Brady made the plays when he had to make Really, he
4: made the plays. 18 for 33, he made the plays. He you think that was a good goals. game? He made
3: the throws
4: he, had he didn't play. make any throws he didn't win because of that oh, he that. won the game if you watch the game I don't know if you watched the game the two I touchdowns play. he threw was on the five-yard line and one of them okay. one of the touchdowns, so, was because of an interception that was so, because of it he yes had,
3: he had to be, and the
4: so, drop he of cook when, when, when Cook dropped the ball that's when they scored the At other touchdown <laughs> okay okay I'm just
3: saying that, that was not
4: Tom Brady he made it the, then who
3: was it who's throwing the ball ghost
4: Throw the ball. He had one hundred and ninety nine yards. I don't want to hear about Tom Brady. Eighteen for thirty three wasn't a good game, Beef. You also think that you also think Ezekiel Elliott can run ball, run the ball better than Curtis Martin. You also think that Ezekiel Elliott can play behind the same line as Barry Sanders. Are you kidding me, Eric? Eric, you don't need to speak because you are as retarded as he is.
3: I told you, uh, Brady made the throws he had to make to win the game. Really? He made the
4: throws. He made the throws. No, Drew Brees made the throws to lose the game. Watch the game. Watch the game. game. It was the defense. It was battle of the trenches. The better running team and the better defense won the game. That's first what of all, happened. I, didn't, I didn't, First of all, I didn't That wasn't anything. Tom Brady. And I'm so sick and tired of people giving Tom Brady all the credit. When he wins the Super Bowl, he didn't win the Super Bowl against Seattle. Seattle gave it up. The defense won the Super Bowl when they beat Seattle. Yeah, okay. So yeah, so okay. Okay. So, well, so we're, not, we're not watching the same game. You can't give it to the quarterback. He didn't do everything.
2: <laughs> and he hangs up. Good. Good. I, I'm oh, so sick We have a guest anyway, so good timing.
4: I, I'm just so sick and tired of listening to this. I am so sick. Tired of listening to fans speak about Tom Brady like Tom Brady's God's gift to the world. Tom Brady wasn't the reason why the Buccaneers won yesterday. How many times? What is Eric Beef? You could call back. We got a special we got guest. A guest. Beef. You could tell Beef. Pull the thing out and tell him we have a guest. We'll we'll get through him after the after the after the guest. Mm-hmm. We're going to go to a quick break. When we come back, we will be talking to the host of Belly Up Sports around for the weekend, Ryan McCarthy, here on Down to the Wire.
0: You're you're listening to the World Wide Sports Radio Network. You're, you're, You're listening to Down to the Wire on the World Wide Sports Radio Network.
4: What the heck did you choose? What what track is this? Countdown, old Snoop Dogg track? You little Snoop Dogg. <laughs> As you guys know, this is down to the wire. We are live every single Monday from 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Remember, you could call us at 631 965 4990. You could go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. You can also download our app by going to iOS. WWSRN or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. That was a terrible track, Speedy. Of all the Snoop Dogg songs, you take that track. Of all the tracks, (laughs) we've done a lot of
2: Snoop Dogg songs. I don't want to repeat them. That was horrendous. That's
4: a horrendous track. I I, I don't want to repeat them. (laughs) It felt like I was part of, uh, you know, I was part of Compton right there. I mean, seriously.
2: Anyway, I, mean, I mean, he, he probably he probably experienced that. Well,
4: finally, we're going to get a guest on that probably knows a lot more than our uh, fans on our social medias are attacking in every kind of way about Tom Brady. But finally, uh, we have our first guest of the day. We are now talking to the host of Belly Up Sports around for the weekend, Ryan McCarthy. What's going on, Ryan?
3: Gentlemen, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. I was listening to the, uh, listening to the show before I... Uh, before you before brought me on. And, Harold, you're just you're on fire, dude. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you. I, well, you know what it is, Ryan? I, I can't stand. And I, a lot of these guys, they come on and they talk. I've been reading all over social media all day today about Tom Brady this and Tom Brady that. I, I understand that people think I hate Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady is a top-five quarterback. I'm not going to argue that. But Tom Brady, year in and year out, it doesn't matter if he plays well or he plays terrible – If he wins, they give all the credit to Tom Brady, even if it's not Tom Brady. If he loses, oh, it's not Tom Brady's fault. It was the defense. It was the running game. It was this. They don't want to blame anything on
3: Tom Brady. Well, he is the patron saint of this era, so just want to let you know that. No, did you guys see the way you tried to high-five the referee, and the referee was like, yeah, this isn't New England, Tom. Stop that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> well, no, knowing the way the refs are to the Saints, they probably would do it anyway. <laughs> oh.
4: it, to me, <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if the refs actually helped Tom Brady win the game because we've seen this over and over again. And how many times have we seen Tom Brady actually high fi a referee in the middle of a playoff game? We've seen it quite a few times. I remember against the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl, he did that as well. So, I, and that's just, that's just me. I don't know. I'm not saying that uh, there's some kind of, uh, uh, some kind of uh, inside, the, inside information yes, I, I, something. <laughs> I, I don't know if there's something, but to me, a lot of people love Tom Brady and what Tom Brady you know who he is as a person, who he is as a football player, but Tom Brady wasn't the reason why they won the game. Tom Brady was a piece of why they won the game, but he wasn't the factor on why they won the game. So let me ask you, Ryan, how are you and your family doing with this pandemic?
3: We're doing all right. Uh, I, I already work from home. I've been working, I work uh, a full time job with an insurance company. So I've been working from home for uh, roughly six years. So I wasn't too affected at all. Uh, I've had other family members who had to start working from home. My, my parents, who are in their 60s and 70s, respectively, they're doing all right. They're hanging in there. Uh, just, we're just waiting, we're just counting down the days until things are back to a to where they what they were before? Like I want to be, I want to be at the ice. I want to be the ice rink taking pictures of of hockey games or watching hockey games and enjoying a beer and a hot dog at uh, <laughs> a, a, a baseball game. You know that's why that's where I want to be this year. That's where I want to be. We are talking. Sure you guys are the same way? Absolutely. We are talking
4: to the host of Belly Up Sports around the weekend, Ryan McCarthy. So Ryan, I want to know what your thoughts were. What what game stood out to you this weekend? And. What what game is going to stand out to you in the uh, AFC and NFC title game?
3: Well, the one game that stood out to me, and, and I was watching it a lot, and I was watching the uh, pretty much watched the entire game was the it was the Browns Chiefs. That was the most interesting because when you saw Mahomes go down, the the, the dynamic changed instantly. Uh, I thought the Chiefs missed some chances to end the Browns uh, very very early, and I think in the right before halftime they got the they got the turnover and. Mm-hmm. uh and you know the the they drive down the field no they force a field goal right. they drive down the field they don't get the touchdown they get the field goal I thought if they got a touchdown and they got that touchdown to the pick six that was game over right I mean that was that was and you have to play you don't have to play as uh, as desperate as they did at the end. Uh but when Mahomes went down that just that just flipped the script. Mm-hmm. It flipped the script and gave the gave the Browns some hope and they got the running game back, which I, I was kind of wondering why they kind of went once went away from it unless mm-hmm. they're bread and butter.
2: Yeah, I actually picked the Browns in the upset, so it was very close. I just couldn't get the final stops at the end of that game. Now sticking with the Chiefs, um, with are you concerned maybe that they played not necessar- maybe either played down to them or didn't look as good as they should have against the Browns? Even in the times without with Mahomes in the game, they were settling for field goals a lot more than usual. Harrison Bucker missed an extra point and a field goal, which was very bizarre missed, for he, him. Yeah, hit the,
3: up, hit the upright. Yeah, right. I mean, um, I wouldn't say it was it was the chiefs playing down to the browns i would say the browns we elevated their game uh they had a lot of momentum coming into the last couple of weeks and that game against pittsburgh where they just absolutely hit their lunch to them uh it's big ben and then the rest of the steelers that kind of gave them motivation to say hey we can we could probably go all the way and unfortunately they didn't that's uh, too bad because uh, it's too bad because uh you know i've got a lot of fan- friends who are cleveland fans and uh, they were all disappointed that they couldn't uh, they couldn't get to the the championship. But I you know, I thought I thought I thought the Browns played a more elevate at a more elevated uh, level than a lot of people thought. Give them credit for
4: Ryan. When you look at the football playoffs and these games are we talk about the wild card weekend? That's the best week of football. Now the divisional games was. Was this a fun divisional week? I I really was expecting a lot more exciting games. Uh, A lot of these games were not exciting. A lot of them were blowouts, a matter of fact. I mean, the Buffalo Bills blowing out Baltimore. uh, Green Bay blowing out the L.A. Rams. Kansas City looked like they were going to blow out Cleveland until they came back. That was the most exciting game. And then Tampa, I don't know what. This game was the worst game of the week. The, The game that everybody thought. I mean, this was a headlining game on Sunday night. And this was probably the worst game out of all of them. Were you surprised that the games weren't as exciting as they usually
3: are? Initially, I did, uh, especially with Green Bay and Los Angeles. Uh, I expected the Rams to play a little closer. I know Aaron Donald had some had some injury concerns coming into the game. He was very limited. Uh, I thought the Rams were going to – with. I can't understand the Rams like with their quarterback situation. Uh, Jared Goff's basically playing with half a thumb, <laughs> trying to throw the ball, uh, and trying to get their running game going, but they can't seem to. And after that, after that first touchdown by the by the Packers, where where that design a beautifully designed play by by Matt Lafleur right. with uh, Rogers throwing to Adams and just absolutely beating the brakes off of Ramsey and Ramsey just having a temper tantrum on the <laughs> side, you know. It was game over from there. You know, I, 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 as soon as I saw that, and that, I saw the Packers driving on the field for the second touchdown, I said, you know what? I'm going to watch a hockey game. <laughs> this game's over.
2: So you're, you're a big Jets guy, and the Jets have made a lot of headlines recently with their new coaching hire. Oh, Robert Sala. you don't
3: know how happy I am about this. About this about I, you this don't game. know how
2: happy I am that yeah. you're a Jet fan. <laughs> <laughs> so explain your, uh, your happiness of the hiring of Robert Sala, and do you think he was the best coach they could have gotten?
3: You know, I before you know, while I was, also on, I was on a Jets podcast, uh, exclusive Jets podcast, it was called Downtown Jets. Uh, Dan Goldstein, my co- former co host, shout out to you if you're watching. Uh, we came up with our top three picks for head coaches, and we both had a consensus that Matt Campbell from Iowa State was our number one guy. Hmm. I think, I think a lot of Jets fans, I hope a lot of Jets fans had him in mind too, but mm-hmm. written the reports that he was, he's, no, I'm not interested in the pros right now. I completely understand. You know, we also we also had we also had, the enemy. We also had uh, Arthur Smith. Mm-hmm. We we kind of had Robert Slay as an afterthought, but then you saw the Jets. Okay, they brought him in for a first interview. Great, they brought him in for a second interview. Then you see him go to Philly for an interview. He said, "Okay, you, you gotta you gotta do something, guys. You gotta you gotta make him an offer. You gotta make him a, make him an offer." And as soon as they, as soon as I made the offer, and he accepted in principle. I was ecstatic because because this means that I, I won't have to enter every week for like will have the last two years in wanting to put my head through a wood chipper every time Adam Gase makes a really bad call. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure most Jets fans feel the same. And read more about Soleil and who he's bringing in, what kind of a guy he is, and what kind of a what kind of a character he is. Uh, I I just I have hope. I feel encouraged for the first time as a Jets fan, and I can't tell you how long. I was listening. I was listening along to uh, uh, "Weapons Hot" last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, solid, solid job by those guys. They had a really good analysis. They had, they had you know, lots of, also very entertaining too. Uh, I most Jets fans are, Errol yourself included. So, <laughs> so they had a lot of good breakdowns about about Soleil, who they're going to keep, who they're going to punt. I guess keep and punt is their <laughs> big thing. Yeah, um, but. I think a lot of Jets fans have a lot of hope right
4: now. Well, I I, I knew that Sala was going to get the job because he did a Zoom conference uh, with Joe Douglas. Then they called him in. He was in his office for about eight hours. And he left, and a lot of people said, well, if the Jets let him leave, he's probably not going to get the job. Sala was waiting for the Urban Meyer thing to fall. When Urban Meyer signed with Jacksonville, 10 minutes later, Robert Sala signed with the New York Jets because Mm -hmm. the number one team that everybody wanted to go and coach was Jacksonville because of the whole Trevor Lawrence sweepstake. Everybody Mm -hmm. knew about it. And, and with the draft stock that they have, they have 11 draft picks this year and um, the, the money that they have this offseason, they have over $80 million that they spend, which is the most in the NFL. And the Jets have the second most. A lot of people thought that Sala wanted that job. When when Urban Meyer fell to Jacksonville, every, I, I knew, and I told everybody, I told all the Jet fans, don't worry, everybody, I was on two radio shows, two FM shows, when they asked me, who do you think is the next head coach in the New York Jets? I said, hands down, it's Robert Sala. I'm, I'll be very surprised before the end of the week he doesn't sign with the New York Jets. What happened the day after? He signs with the New York Jets. So... I I'm I'm very excited with Robert Sala. I really am. I like the fact yeah. that he's bringing Lafleur in, uh, who a lot of people is an up. A lot of people say is an up and coming offensive coordinator, uh, that, and he'll probably be there for maybe one or two years, and then he'll get a head coaching job. and yeah. And and the stories that are coming out that the Jets are looking to possibly bring in, um, what's his name again from the old Cowboys, the cornerback coach. Uh, Chris Richard. Um, Chris Richard. That's what I'm hearing right now. It looks like Chris Richard might be getting the job as a defensive coordinator for the Jets. So you have two really young, you know, offensive and defensive coordinators. And you have Robert Sala, who's a very young guy, too.
3: Uh, yeah. very, he, he's easier than me. That's a, I'm 43. He's 41. So that's just. That's, it's. Uh, it's interesting to see that, like all these coaches are younger than me. It's just, I feel old. (laughs) I feel
4: old too. I'm 38. So I'm getting there too. But, uh,
3: Hey, hey. yeah. You're only as, you're only as old as you feel. I, I, I'm prefer to, to, uh, like be kid, be a child, be kind of a, be kind of a big, big kid at heart. So,
4: well, you know, you you know, I, I got the, one of the biggest, uh, panty droppers over here and then you have me, (laughs) you know? So, yeah, we have uh, we have a lot of things, but as you guys know, we are talking to the host of Belly Up Sports around the weekend, Ryan McCarthy. Now, Ryan, you are a hockey fan too, and yep. uh, what I heard, you know, through the grapevine is that you're a Ranger fan. Am I right? No, I'm a New Jersey Devils fan. Oh, I'm sorry, you're a Je- Devil fan. So um, it's okay. So the beginning of the season uh, last week, the beginning of the season was Wednesday. Um, the New Jersey Devils are playing good hockey right now. They really are. They, yeah. They've been in every single game. Uh, you see Jack Hughes slowly but surely develop. You have some of the young players that they have. Um, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts with the Devils, and, and where your, what are your thoughts this year in the division that the Devils are playing in?
3: Well, it's the, definitely the toughest division in hockey. That's for sure. Uh, it's, the mo- it's the most – and, and the, the beauty about being in the East is that you don't have to travel as much as you do have the other divisions. With the Canadian division you have to travel all three time zones to get to where you're playing. Uh the Pacific the West Division, you got you got to travel three time zones. Central, two time zones. But with the but with the East Division, it's it's based north it's northeast based teams. And the farther <laughs> south you gotta go is Washington. The farthest west you gotta go is Buffalo. So everybody's regionally you know, not that too far apart. Um there's gonna be a you get the old rivalries like with in the Patrick Division, you still got the Philadelphia's and the Washingtons and the and the and the uh, Rangers and the Islanders, but then you got the the, the Sabers and the Bruins, and the, and the Bruins got announced as one of the teams to play in the East. That whole thing flipped. I mean, I, I, Buffalo, not Buffalo, Boston mm-hmm. uh, became basically the team to beat. And the Devils played them the first two games. You know, I, I had a little bit of concern because Boston's just—they're Boston. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Bruins have been the Bruins the way they've been the last. They played the last ten years. They've been to three Cup finals. Uh, they've won one. And you know, they still they still have a lot of those guys around from the twenty eleven team. Uh, they're just a little bit older, uh, a little bit you know, a little bit older, a little more experienced than you know, a lot of the Devils. I mean, most of these most of these most of the Devils were wet behind the ears right, before, right <laughs> when the when the Bruins were winning their first Stanley Cup in twenty eleven. Uh, so you know, watching the first two games. Uh, now I finally have MSG on uh, on uh, Fubo. <laughs> I can finally watch Devils <laughs> games. It's been a while. But the, watching the first two games, I've, I've noticed a couple things. The first thing they push—they push the pace. The team is fast. The team is very fast. They're—they're they're young. I mean, they get some little experience in there, but they're fast. They push the pace. They're gonna put pressure on the opponent. Uh, the fact they got three out of four points against Boston to start the season—it—it it, it should tell doubles. It should give doubles fans a lot of hope. And the one thing I really. Yeah, I'm kind of nitpicking here, but their power play, their offer for the season. You know, I want I, I want to see them shoot the puck more than the power play. I know Mark Brecky was brought in as an assistant to help with the power play. Uh, so you know, I mean they got 50 more, 54 more games to go. Uh,
2: that shouldn't be too much of a concern. So the two number one picks, obviously Jack Hughes being the big name, but also Nico Heischer. um mm-hmm. What? What? How do you think they will develop this season under under Lindy Ruff and? with Heisher specifically because obviously Hughes is a great prospect we know that yeah. um is, is it kind of like a fringe type of guy because he has really struggled so far the first 3 years and Hughes what kind of belief can you see because we know the potential that he has
3: yeah i, I know Heisher is not playing right now he he had a, he suffered a, a an off-ice leg injury before before training camp so he hasn't played yet i th- i think they expect him to play either this week or the following week uh, but Hughes, I've been really impressed by him, and I expected him to have a bounce back year. Uh, considering this last season was kind of a disappointment for his rookie season, he only scored 21 points and in, in uh, so what 66 games, uh, had a little bit of a disappointment. But it was his first year. You're, you're gonna you're gonna struggle in your first year in the league, no matter how how good you were. You're the number one pick in the league. Okay, you're still gonna struggle. I mean, mm-hmm. it's that's it's just it's growing pains. Mm-hmm. It's growing pains in any league, but. From what I understand, he, he built a lot of muscle. He, he became stronger, and it was evidenced in the first two, couple couple games. He has three. He's got three assists in his first two games, and he's 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 possessing the puck. Uh, you know, the, one of the interesting factoids from uh, from Saturday's game. in the first two periods, uh, he had the most ice time. He hit the puck the longest in the Bruins off the, in the Bruins zone in the Bruins defensive zone. So when the devils are on offense and he's on the, he's on the ice, he's going to have the puck the most. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the things that's that Lindsay, that Lindy Ruff uh, has predicated in his, in his, in his, uh, in his, on his teams and his systems is puck possession. And we you have your best player on the ice and he has the puck, he has the pocket the most out of anybody on the ice. Things are going to happen. Uh, and I, I'm, I'm really excited that to see his development uh, again, three, three assists in two games. Uh, I just need to start th- scoring some goals, and you know, you know, he sure comes back. And think, I think the Devils are on the up and up now. I don't know if you guys watch. Did you, did you? either you guys watch Saturday's game at all, or catch the highlights? I didn't see it.
4: Are you talking about the Devils game,
3: Devils Bruins? Yes. Yeah, I watched the game. Okay, so the one guy I'm high on, and I think after this game, after this game, everybody, else, every Devils fan should see more of, is Yegor Sh- Sh- uh, Sharangovich. He scored the game-winning goal he
4: don't ask me he to he pronounce won. his name. Cause I'm very bad. At I, I just,
3: I just did, I just did your homework for it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not going to be me, <laughs> but was he being out of the lineup, he's being inserted as a top six forward. And this is a guy who the doubles were very high on during training camp. He earned a spot. He was, a, he was on the first line uh, of, of, of Saturday's game and the scoring touch he had at the end of the game, less than two seconds left. He scores a game winning goal. That, that showed you a lot about, uh, about Lindy Ruff's uh, faith in this, in this kid. He's not even 21 years old and, and he gets the game winning goal. He's very confident. He's a fast, he's a fast skater. He can shoot the puck. Yeah. And, he, and again, he's super, super confident. And when he's shooting and he's playing, he's playing with the top six forward. We are talking to the host of belly up sports around for the
4: weekend, Ryan McCarthy, now going on to a little baseball uh, the New York Mets make one of the biggest trades uh, in, in a very long time. When, it, when we talk about the New York Mets, it's not the Coupon Mets anymore. It's uh, Stevie Cohen's New York Mets. What were your thoughts when you heard that Francisco Lindor and Carrasco were going to get traded for practically a bag of balls? Were you surprised that the, the Mets made a trade like this? And, and where do you see these two players moving forward uh, are going to be as a New York Mets?
3: Uh, I wasn't surprised at all. Uh, Uncle Stevie, Uncle Stevie is opening up, up the checkbook, and he's willing to spend some money to make this team a contender. Uh, I, I have another podcast with Belly Up Sports. It's called No Credentials Required. My co-host uh, Corey, uh, if he's watching, uh, we discussed in the last episode about this trade. I mean, we talked about it a lot, and uh, Lindor and Carrasco. You know Carrasco, they he gives the Mets another arm, uh, especially with you know, you've got. Four really good pitchers. You got the who's your ace. You got uh, Sindergaard who's coming back this year. You got uh, Stroman, and now you have got Carrasco, uh, who who has playoff experience, knows how to pitch in the playoffs, and you can be a difference maker. Now Lindor gives the Mets more offense. You're not going to rely have to rely on Pete Alonso all the time for the big bat to get a, a, a home run at a, at a timely in a timely fashion. Now you have Francisco Lindor, uh, another big bat who can who can who can bring in who can drive in runs, uh, and I guess he's pretty solid defensively too. Uh, from what I understand, uh, he's he's still in his I think his late twenty mid late twenties. Lindor
4: is twenty seven years old.
3: He's twenty seven. Okay, mm-hmm. so he's his late twenties. I think if he can prove that he can play at the same level in New York in Queens as he did back in Cleveland. I think he's earned himself a nice hefty contract. Uh, next, next he's going to
4: earn it no matter what he's getting a $300 million contract. No matter if he plays well, or he doesn't, if he doesn't get it from the Mets, he'll get it from somebody else. Somebody yeah. is going to give him $300 million. He's one of the top seven, top eight uh, players in the
2: major leagues. He's going to get a lot of money. He's going to get yeah. a lot of money. Yeah. So you being a Yankees fan, um, there are a lot of Yankee fans that were complaining that the Mets did get Francisco Lindor and, I mean, it's not an obvious need with the offense because the Yankees' offense has a lot of talent on it. But would you have considered maybe trading for Francisco Lindor if you knew that Cleveland was also packaging Don't Carrasco, say yes. Don't Packaging Carrasco yes. in the deal where the Yankees <laughs> have been seeking starting yes. pitching.
3: <laughs> no, I, I think I think the Yankees I, I think the Yankees have a lot in their farm system that that they're they're waiting for those kids to come up as soon as a lot of these other guys uh, either get traded away or they leave for free agency. I, I don't I. I I, I think the Mets were. I just had the feeling the Mets were going to get him overall. I mean, if the Yankees got him, you know, whatever. You no, know, they, they have a lot of prospects they can deal for him. But I, I think I think the Yankees have enough already. They got, they've got, uh, they got, they they signed re-signed Lemayhu. Thank you, thank you, Lord. You know uh, the crisis averted there.
4: <laughs> yes, DJ LeMay was a big part. Of this off season, if the Yankees did not sign DJ LeMahieu, that it would have been a lost uh, off season. They they signed DJ LeMahieu. They probably redid the whole when it comes to the salary cap. I mean, just think about it. The Yankees overpaid a lot of players in the old in the olden days. They did uh, George Steinbrenner. Now you look at the the complete change because of COVID nineteen and the money situation. They they really changed the the whole circle of what you're going to pay guys. They they gave yeah. them more years, less money on the top. Yeah, they had a bargain. So- Six six years, $90 million to a guy that won a batting title who was one of the top three, top four players in baseball for the last two seasons. In my eyes, they stole him. And and to me, when you look at DJ LeMayo to Francisco Lindor, I mean, who would you rather want? As a Yankee fan, not just not being a Yankee fan, as a person that loves baseball, anybody will tell you DJ LeMayo is a better all-around hitter than Francisco Lindor. I'm, I I want DJ LeMayu. That's what I want. Even though Lindor is the younger guy, and he's the shortstop, uh, both guys are sensational defensive players, and, and both guys are very good hitters. But DJ LeMayu has proven that he can hit in the playoffs, and Lindor hasn't yet. So we have to see Lindor, Lindor do it consistently in New York. We have already seen DJ LeMayu do it in New York. So mm. that's going to be the secret to what Francisco Lindor, if he wants to put himself on a pedestal, uh, as uh, one of the best baseball players in New York, well, he's got to do it in New York. And if he doesn't do it in New York, New York, and we've seen a lot of great players come here in New York and couldn't solve, uh, for some reason, the New York fans. They couldn't solve it. We've seen pitchers. We've seen hitters. Uh, guys that were good everywhere else, but they come here to New York, and for some reason, they can't hit New York. Especially Mets
2: free agent outfielders.
4: <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> I mean, we'll see what Francisco Lindor does when when he's under pressure playing in New York, and the Mets go on a slide... Where they they lose three or four games in a row, and and, and Met fans are going to be on him because he's not hitting the ball. That's when yep. we see who Francisco Lindor is and how he can take the pressure being in New York. Because you know, and I know as a New York fan that mm-hmm. the press will feast on him if he doesn't. This oh, isn't absolutely. Cleveland. This isn't Cleveland.
3: Nope i I definitely i, I agree. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see what Lindor does. And and coming up in the in the regular season, uh, spring training starts. It uh, starts next month. Uh, I'm I'm pretty excited for spring training to come along. I mean, I've got hockey season, but you know, it having spring training, it's that expectation of of, of hey, spring's right around the corner. Here comes baseball. And, and yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what Lindor does. Does he does he wilt under the pressure like a lot of these other 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 ball players have done in the past? i mean he, he, As you said, Errol. New York's a, the biggest. It's the biggest market in the United States, a media market in the United States in terms of sports, arguably the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, I, I'm going to be fascinated. That's going to be one of the biggest storylines or one of the biggest narratives coming into the coming into the season is whether or not Lindor and even Carrasco, yeah, Carrasco's. Can, can,
4: Carrasco's the, the the guy that in that trade that was probably the best part of the trade. You getting a starter as good as Carrasco, who's really a number two. He was the number two for Cleveland all those years uh, behind uh, Kluber. Uh, he he was the second guy, and now Carrasco's going to the Mets, where he's the third or fourth guy. So that bodes well for the Mets when they get Noah Syndergaard. Bad, I mean that pitching staff is going to be stacked. They're going to be a dangerous team, especially when you're in a division with the Braves, who are a very yeah. dangerous team. So absolutely, the, the Mets absolutely. are in a very good position. Before we let you go, my friend, why don't you tell the fans how they can find you and how they can listen to your show on Belly Up Sports?
3: Okay, so I've got two shows. Uh, as, you, as I mentioned before, I've got no- Around for the Weekend, which is most which is every Friday at six thirty p.m. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, You can find it on Facebook, on Twitter uh, slash Periscope, on YouTube. Uh, just search for Around for the Weekend. Uh, you can also listen to my podcast. No credentials required. We drop episodes every Wednesday or every Thursday. Uh, you can find a round for the weekend. You can find at Belly Up AFT AFTW. Uh, that's the Twitter account. Uh, no credentials required. Is Belly Up NCR. If you want to just have a chat, if you want to chat with me casually as a sports fan, you can find me on Twitter at Who Is Ryan MCC. And I just want to let you know one of the biggest, one of the, uh, the the key components of my show is that I pick a beer and I drink it along. It's like it's like sitting sitting in a bar, sitting in a <laughs> sports bar, you know. With COVID, you can't really sit at a sports bar and just have a drink with somebody. So what I usually do is I grab my mason my mason jar, which is my I call it my co star, and I you know I feature a local beer or New York beer, which I'm going to drink right now. It's a uh, wrench from Industrial Arts. It's a uh, Northeast India Pale Ale. They're, <laughs> they're located right by Harrison. I have to exit 16 of the thruway. So so you know what different? you
4: do you you do it with you do it with beer. So you know what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring soap. On this show. I'm going to have all different kinds of soap. And whichever one everybody (laughs) likes to smell, I'm going to put it in a bag and beat Speedy with it. And that's what we'll do on... (laughs) We'll do that on live radio. (laughs) You guys get to pick... On um, what kind of soap I beat Speedy with? What do you think, Speedy? You like that? I don't know how that correlates
3: at all. But okay. <laughs> you, but you, well, I know how it correlates, Speedy. You get to choose the sock.
2: <laughs> That's true too. Not worth it.
4: <laughs> and you get to smell it too, even if it's on my feet.
2: Uh, <laughs> also not worth it.
4: <laughs> Ryan, thank you for coming on. We definitely want to get you back on the show. Uh, we really appreciate you joining us,
3: gentlemen. Errol, Speedy, keep appreciate listening. You
4: Keep listening to the show tonight. We're going to have a lot of fun with our next guest, and I'm sure you're going to hear some crazy outlandish things uh, moving forward on this show.
3: Awesome. Looking forward to it, gentlemen. Thanks again. Enjoy Appreciate
4: your beer, it. my friend. Enjoy the beer. Yeah. Uh, as you guys know, we were just talking to the host of Belly of Sports around the weekend, Ryan McCarthy. Nice, nice guy. We're going to get him on again. He, he's he got a great personality. I love the fact um, that he's a, he's a New York fan. He's a Yankee fan. Um, he's a devil fan, which is it's still in the New York market. I mean, New Jersey's right; it's connected. It's part of the uh, New York market, Tri State so, area. Yeah, Tri State. So uh, I love that he's a New York guy, and uh, and and moving forward with New York sports, it's going to be fun. It is going to be fun. We were just talking about Robert Sala. Robert Sala is going to bring um, notoriety to the New York Jets. He's going to bring compassion. And, and, and stuff that we've missed since Rex Ryan. When Rex Ryan was here, yeah, he was a clown. Yeah, he was a little crazy. But he was so passionate to the press. He talked to the press. The press loved him. The last two guys that we had here in New York, Todd Bowles, who probably – he talks like t- t- Mike Tyson, okay? Yeah, And, and then – and he barely said anything to the press – and then you get Adam Gaze, who eyes were the size of a cuckoo jump. I mean, I mean, seriously, when you, when, you, when you think of the New York coaches that we've had, as far as the Jets are concerned, they've been horrendous. Even with the New York Knicks. Look at the New York Knicks coaches oh that we've
2: had. They're probably even worse.
4: I mean, seriously, Jeez. Jeff Hornacek. I mean, who is there? Uh, uh, Derek Fisher. Derek Fisher. Fischer, David, Fisdale. David Fisdale. I mean, it's terrible. <laughs> and now we finally have a competent coach and, and a guy like Thibodeau. So, New York sports is on on the rise. Now, as far as New York Mets coaches and New York Yankees coaches, well, we're, we're going to have to see where Aaron Boone's going to be this year. If Aaron Boone doesn't get into the World Series this year, he will be fired by Brian Cashman this year. That's a guarantee. He will be fired. Mm-hmm. As far as the Mets management, I think they kept their manager in place because uh, he was only there for one year, and they like him. I, I think he can help uh, uh, build, and he, remember, he's uh, he's a Spanish Spanish manager, which have a lot of Puerto Ricans and Dominicans on the team right now, which it it, it helps, uh, you know, it kind of gives them an um, influence influence on playing hard. So I love that about the Mets. I think the Mets moving forward are going to be a very, very dangerous team with Carrasco and with the pitching staff that they have and even Francisco Lindor. We'll see if Francisco Lindor can take the pressure. Before we get our second guest on the show, I do want to get into some basketball conversation. And I will say this. Uh, I watched the Brooklyn Nets' first game with James Harden. And I've watched... And, and, and both those guys, when, when you see Kevin Durant and James Harden play on the same court as each other, yeah, James Harden had 30 points, Kevin Durant had 46 points. They had 76 of their teams, I think, 115 points. Mm-hmm. Okay? Or whatever it was. 116, 117 points. You are not going to win a championship. If your two best players are scoring the majority of your points. What it shows is there's no depth on the court. That's that's the whole big picture here. James Harden. And I, I, I'm i so sick and t- tired of listening to Kyrie Irving. Okay? All the, the conversations. I listened to Stephen A. Smith uh, this afternoon on what he said about Kyrie Irving. And when Kyrie Irving bought George Floyd's family a house. Big whoop. Who cares, okay? The fact is that Kyrie Irving is making one hundred and seventy hundred million million right now from the Brooklyn Nets. He got Kenny Atkinson fired. He's probably going to get Sean Marks is fired. And Steve Nash, we hear that he didn't want Kevin Durant, and he didn't want Steve Nash as the head coach. So what does Kyrie Irving want? Does he want... Speedy Petey to be the coach? Does he want Speedy Petey to wear his tidy whities on his head and become the coach? How about this? Why don't we make Kyrie Irving the coach and him be the first player first player, and, first player and head coach on uh, in, in the NBA?
2: Last, How about we do that? Last second at the end of the game, Kyrie Irving calls timeout. I call this play the flat earth. <laughs> Whatever he calls it. I mean, think about it.
4: Kyrie Irving has been the laughingstock of the NBA right now. And the Brooklyn Nets... Uh, the NBA firing him, uh, finding him fifty thousand dollars, and and a couple of weeks ago they fined him fifteen or twenty thousand dollars because he wasn't talking to the press. Do you think Kyrie Irving gives a crap? That he's paying $70,000? This man makes $190 million. He made... I, I think I think he's made over $280 million in his career as an NBA player. Do you? Does anybody think he cares about $70,000? Maybe you and me do, Speedy. Because $70,000 is a lot of money. To Kyrie Irving, it's pennies to a dollar. Okay? It means nothing to him. And the fact that he's sitting out, he's partying on a bus, and he's not going... It just... To me... The, new, the Brooklyn Nets have to do one thing and one thing only. they got to trade this guy. they got to move on with this guy. But who's going to take a selfish player like Kyrie Irvin? What team is going to take a selfish guy that has been a coach killer, has hurt teams everywhere he's gone? Just think about it. Everywhere he's gone, he's ruined those teams. Cleveland, he was a good player. They didn't win more than 19 games until LeBron James <laughs> went there. <Right. laughs> then he gets traded to the Celtics. He goes to the Celtics, and the Celtics, what did they win? They won more games when he wasn't in the lineup.
2: They went further in the playoffs without him in the lineup, too, that first year, 2017, when he was hurt.
4: And now he's playing with the Brooklyn Nets. The first year as the Brooklyn Nets, as the only superstar on the team, they didn't even make the playoffs. They didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah, they did. They I'm were the sorry. seventh seed. Well, whatever. The, to me, that was nothing. <laughs> they got knocked out in the first round.
2: So they, they weren't a good team. They were the Eastern Conference playoffs.
4: <laughs> Nevertheless... Kyrie Irving wasn't the reason why they made the playoffs. Because Kyrie Irving wasn't even in the lineup uh, the full season. Kyrie, Kyrie Irving can't stay healthy. And that's the problem right now with Kyrie Irving. When Kyrie Irving does come back, let's say Kyrie Irving walks through the door tomorrow, <laughs> what is he going to take a step back? Is he going to take a step, two steps, three steps back now that Kevin Durant and James Harden are there? The answer is no. There's going to be fighting in the locker room. There's going to be a lot of uh, back-and-forth banter, not only to the press but all the way through the team through the locker room they they're not going to get along speedy
2: mm, no and kyrie irving hasn't gotten along with anybody yet young players veteran players star players whatever he hasn't gotten along with anyone yet now who will take the back seat i know you said on the weekend crunch you think it be could be james harden i think
4: he would because he was a six man over there in okc he would take the back seat he'd take the 20 22 points and 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 what 10 rebound i mean 11 rebounds and and nine assists, uh, than scoring 30, 35, 36 points a game. I, I I don't see James Harden doing that. I think Kyrie Irving's going to shoot. Well, he's going to shoot. First of all, you know Kyrie Irving's going to shoot because he shot more <laughs> shots in the lineup than Kevin Durant did. Okay, so you know he's a selfish player. So going into this, one of these guys are going to take a step back. You can't tell Kevin Durant to do that. Kevin Durant's the best player on the team. So you're not going to tell your best player, you know what, Kevin? We want you to take a step back. We want you to be the third option. Kevin
2: Durant's going to tell you you're on drugs. And also the other thing to look at, too, is Kevin Durant is not as ball dominant as James Harden and Kyrie Irving either. Well, he's not a point guard. Right. So he could be still that catch-and-shoot guy. He could create his own shot. Uh, Like that, he doesn't have to necessarily drive to the hoop and try to pass all the time and dribble around for 10, 15 seconds like we see James Harden do a lot of the time and obviously draw fouls like he does. So that's the other question of it, too, is will they be able to take a step back and also play at their strengths, too? Because James Harden can shoot threes. He could drive to the hoop. He could pass very well. I wouldn't say the top point guard ability, but he could pass very well. Kyrie Irving is that top point guard when he's when his head is on straight, and he could— he could shoot threes, but he's not as good as driving to the hoop either. So can they play to their strengths as well? And how often will they be able to do that consistently throughout a season? And you know what? I, I'm looking at Cleveland. He says, I told you
4: about the Bucks. Cleveland, you're just like Eric. You're just like every single person. You can tell me all you want about the Bucs. It wasn't Tom Brady, the reason why the Bucs are moving on. You can say whatever you want. All you fans out there can say whatever you want about how great Tom Brady is or what Tom Brady is going to be. And Tom Brady's going to take his team and lead his team all the way to the Super Bowl and win another championship with another team. It's not going to happen. Because he's got to go into Green Bay, and he's got to beat Aaron Rodgers, who is probably the hottest quarterback right now in the last five weeks of the season. And if Aaron Rodgers plays like he did this week against a dominant defense like the Rams— The Buccaneers are nowhere close to the Rams' defense. They're nowhere close. They don't have a player like Ramsey, and they don't have a player like Aaron Donald. They don't. So going into this game, the the advantage goes to the Green Bay Packers. It does. So that's all I want to say about Cleveland. Before we get our our second guest on the show, I, I will say this about the New York Knicks. They won today against Orlando. Tom Thibodeau needs to keep pushing these guys. I love the way, the, the aggressive play of R.J. Barrett. I love the, his development. I really do. I, I talk about this and argue with, with Mikey C. all the time about R.J. Barrett. Mikey C. has said R.J. Barrett is not going to be a good player in this league. He has come out and told me the guy can't shoot, he can't do this. If you want to look at R.J. Barrett, compare and contrast R.J. Barrett's numbers to Tatum's numbers, R.J. Barrett, his first season, he averaged 14.3 points a game. Uh, Tatum, average 13.9. You look at Tatum's second season, 15.3. R.J. Barrett's second season right now, 16.8. Who is having a better two-year career, R.J. Barrett or Tatum? The answer is R.J. Barrett. Now, this is a problem with a lot of fans. They're haters. They hate the New York Knicks. They hate this. They hate that. They hate all New York sports. And Mikey C., who's a Celtic fan, he can't stand New York, and he keeps telling me that R.J. Barrett's going to be terrible. How could you say a player is going to be terrible when the Knicks right now have two really sensational young players? And, and we don't know what Obi Toppin is yet. We don't because Obi OB Toppin's coming back from injury. Quickly looks like he's going to be a player. He does. He looks like he's going to be a player. R.J. Barrett is a good young player. You have even their leading scorer, Randall. Julius Randall's only 26 years old. He's a young player. They, they're one of the youngest teams in the NBA. So for anybody like Mikey C to take shots at uh, R.J. Barrett, saying that R.J. Barrett is not going to be a star in this league, you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Because I could say the th- same thing about Tatum. And look at the jump that Tatum went. He went from 13 to 15 to 23, now to 26 this year. I expect R.J. Barrett next year to score between 22 and 24 points a game.
2: It was also easy at that time to admire Tatum for big shots and wins and stuff like that just because the Celtics were a very good team too. But he still wasn't the only option or first option a lot of the times like we saw Barrett be at points this year. Now, he wasn't as much last year like he should have been, but still, the, he's a young player. He's eighteen. He was 18 years old, now he's 19. And again, he's still kind of raw to an extent. Tatum was still raw, but still we, we kind of knew what he was. I think Barrett's upside from a prospect perspective was bigger than Tatum's. And Tatum still has some good upside, no doubt about that. But Barrett's upside I think is a lot bigger.
4: No, and we're going to see what Barrett is going to do. But Cleveland, as far as I'm concerned, saying that oh, you know about Tom Brady, you want to know that Tom Brady didn't have a good game. And I see Cleveland on, so I'm going to just say that now that Cleveland is watching. <laughs> it wasn't because of Tom Brady on why the Buccaneers won. It was because they were the better running team in that game, and they were the better defense. That's why they won. The Saints made more mistakes. They couldn't run the ball, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could run the ball, and they didn't make any mistakes. That was the reason why they won. My boy stunk it up last night. Props to the Knicks. I don't know who that was. Like that was Knicks. Carl. That was Carl. Okay. And you're absolutely right. I, I, listen, I, I I love the fact when you look at the New York Knicks and what the Knicks are doing, you see the defensive t- the type of play that they're having. Tom Thibodeau is the defensive coach that the Knicks have been drawing for. What they've needed all these years. Jeff Van Gundy. That style of defense. Over the years, you look at the Mike D'Antonis, you talk about the David Fisdales, you talk about the uh, Fisher, the, the all these, the Jeff Hornacek, these weren't defensive-minded coaches. And and the fact that this guy, Tom Thibodeau, had interviewed three times for this head coaching job and he didn't get the job is a catastrophe. And right now, this guy is up for coach of the year. If the Knicks don't even make the playoffs and the Knicks keep playing the way they are and they're still one of the best uh Uh, evaluating defensive teams right now in the second half of the season, Tom Thibodeau will be talked about as one of the best defensive uh, and one of the coaches of the year. So... Win or lose, the New York Knicks are in good hands with Tom Thibodeau, Rose, Leon Rose, Wesley, and Perry. I think this is a good executive core, and I think that right now the Knicks are being run by one guy and one guy only, and that's Leon Rose, and you're seeing the difference of the team and the play of this team because of it. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be talking to content manager of IDP, Guys Fantasy Football, Joey the Tooth Hagen, here on Down to the Wire.
0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. You're, 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 you're listening, listening to, Down to Down to the Wire, Wire on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.
4: As you guys know, this is Down to the Wire. I'm your host, Errol Marks, and my co-host, Tidy Whitey Man, super Tidy Whitey Man, Speedy Pete. Remember, you can call us at 631-965-4990. You can go to our website at www.worldwidesportsradio.com. And you can download our app by going to iOS, WWSRN, and Android, Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Wow, wow, wow. Well, back and forth banter with the games this weekend, the divisional series. Uh, When it comes to football, it's been crazy football conversation. We talked a little bit with uh, Ryan McCarthy about some hockey. uh, We talked a little basketball. And now we can talk a little fantasy. As you guys know, we are talking to, we are now talking to, content manager of IDP, Guys Fantasy Football, Joey
1: the Tooth Hagen. What's going on, Joey? What's going on, fellas? Thanks for having me.
4: Absolutely, man. How are you and your
1: family doing with this pandemic? Um... Pretty good for the most part. I mean, me and my wife have, uh, we swapped our hours around at work, so we don't have to send our daughter to daycare. We have a 10-month-old daughter. My wife was literally in labor when this pandemic broke out. They told us we can't have any visitors, and we were just (laughs) like, okay, that's how it's going to work, huh? (laughs) (laughs) So that was pretty crazy. So my daughter doesn't know any bit of normalcy yet in her life. It's pretty much just pandemic.
4: Mm. Well, it's, it's crazy. This has been a crazy year. Um, a lot of Americans. We have a new president. Uh, who we talk about the, inaugura- the uh, inauguration, whatever. They, they, I, I can't, I can't pronounce it. But uh, we have a new president coming into office at mm-hmm. the end of the week, which is it's crazy. Hopefully, moving forward, uh, we can start banding together again as a, a country and move forward and not be against one another. Because I think it's just been absolutely crazy. That's why we don't talk politics on this network. That's for hundred yeah, percent. But uh, tell us a little bit about your fantasy show and what you do with the content as the content manager of IDP Guys at Fantasy.
1: All right. With IDP Guys, we usually have about five or six weekly articles during the regular season. Uh, What I do is I, I make sure everybody's got their stuff on a timeline. When their articles are finished, I bring it straight to Twitter and other social media outlets, and I make sure their content gets seen. They get the clicks so people can get their content out there. Uh, I'm out there. I get my own my own show, the IDP update. That I go on, and I do just a weekly show, injury report, uh, who was hot, who wasn't, uh, the top waiver pickups for the week, and I just do a quick 30 minutes in, out, precise, and just go.
4: <laughs> well, I am a fantasy guy, and I, I usually play a lot of football fantasy. I'm usually in three or four leagues. This year, I decided with the whole uh, – Black Lives Matter and, and what all these different uh, organizations did, I decided not to play fantasy. Just for the sake of this, this year, I took a step back with fantasy. So one question I have for you. Were you surprised with Tom Brady's fantasy position this year as well as he played in the second half of the season? Or were you not surprised going to Tampa Bay and, and with the offensive ability that he had with all the different wide receivers he had that he hasn't had with the Patriots?
1: No, I wasn't surprised at all. I mean, he doesn't I mean he's shown slight decline. I mean, obviously his arm still is pre weak. I was never really a huge fan of his arm in the first place, but he was always an underneath guy. You give him targets like Chris Godwin, who can line up all over the the line. You have Mike Evans, who's your huge red zone threat. And then you add Antonio Brown to the mix, who can line up all over. And then you have even Scotty Miller. Scotty Miller at the beginning of the season was a big of Tom Brady was a big fan of his. He kind of reminds him of that Julian Edelman type player. And then you also bring in Gronkowski. It's just, it's like a level of comfort top for Tom Brady. So you give him all those weapons plus a good running game, which he didn't really have that often in new England. Like he did, but he didn't really have a guy, one guy or two guys that were dominant. And Ronald Jones this season was actually quite dominant. And then Leonard Fournette just recently has been dominant. So it, it takes a lot of that pressure off of Tom Brady and the offensive line has been good. So, you give Tom Brady a good offensive line and he always produces. And then Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and Antonio Brown. I mean, it's kind of a no brainer. <laughs> so, you actually have
2: a big emphasis with rookies. You do a lot of rookie analysis with each NFL draft, particularly for dynasty football leagues, but again, also for all the research in general with that. Um, so, we're entering a very fascinating draft year with Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, probably two, the two highest, like as a collective group, touted quarterback prospects we've seen so fantasy wise like what situations do you think would be the best for them what do you, can you see lawrence probably go into jacksonville what do you think his fantasy value would be and fields it's a, kind of an unknown could he go to the jets could he go to atlanta could a team trade up for him like a team like carolina which i think he would strive in tremendously what do you think of, of those kind of expectations from a fantasy perspective especially with a lot of good quarterbacks
1: uh, fantasy perspective, Lawrence going to Jacksonville, I think is fantastic. So what they're doing in, in Jacksonville is great. So they already have James Robinson, who's number one is super cheap because he was an undrafted free agent. So he was, I believe he was a top five, top six, uh, fantasy running back. So you have him, here's your encore. You have Trevor Lawrence. Now Your your young, uh, quarterback DJ shark. He's a, he's proven to be a good wide receiver. I don't think he's a wide receiver one, but he's a good wide receiver. He's a thousand yard receiver. Um, then you add, you have on the defensive side of the ball, you have Josh Allen. You have Caleb on chase on who had a tough rookie season, but moving forward, he should be a little better. Uh, Joe Shobert, Miles Jack, and then they need to address the secondary a little bit, but there's a good young core group of guys. And you bring in Urban Meyer, who is now going to bring culture to Jacksonville, hopefully but you bring in bring in Urban Meyer and then you bring in you have 5 draft picks in the first 3 rounds and 11 overall in this draft for Jacksonville. So honestly, if they can add to the offensive lineup a little bit, give him another target, I think Trevor Lawrence can thrive in Jacksonville.
4: As you guys know, we are talking to content manager of IDP Guys Fantasy Football, Joey "The Tooth" Hagen. Now, Joe, I watch a lot of football. And, and I know a lot of jet fans are are have attacked the New York Jets organization uh this season because they won that game and they won actually won two games and and screwed their chances to get a trevor Lawrence but moving forward in this coming draft at number two, what are your thoughts on where the jets should go? Should they trade down? should they draft Sewell? At number two, uh, do they trade down? Try to add to their draft stock in their first first three rounds. I think they have five uh, five picks in the first three rounds. Where do you see the Jets going at this pick?
1: Trade back, definitely trade back. I mean, there's there's you could even the Bengals might move forward to get Sewell because the Bengals want Sewell, but. Definitely tradebacks. Sam Donald. I have faith in Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold looked good two years ago. Adam Gase is poison. I'm sorry. I, <laughs> I can't stand Adam Gase. And he looked like he was ruining Sam Darnold. But at the end of the season, the team somewhat seemed to come together. And I don't think that had anything to do with Adam Gase. But to see him gone, then you bring in Robert Saleh, or Saleh, mm-hmm. I'm a Niners fan, so I hate seeing him go. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Niners fan. Like I love seeing his passion on the sideline. And he can even bring in maybe some of that little bit of – I know he's a defensive guy, but that offensive mentality that he gets from Coach Shanahan. Shanahan is a nice offensive guru, and if he can just learn a couple of those things like the jet sweeps or the the slants, just the short routes that Sam Darnold can thrive in, he's already got – some of the receivers to do that with Jameson Crowder. He had a great start of the season. He had a great year the previous year with Sam Darnold. huge chemistry there. Denzel Mims coming in. He's going to be in year two. He showed some great promise at the end of the season here. Mm -hmm. And then you trade back, you could trade back to even before 10, you can go like eight, nine, even if like uh, Carolina wants to move up, grab Justin Fields, you get nine, then you get maybe another second and then some futures you're setting yourself up perfectly you can grab you can still grab a offensive tackle if and even in the beginning of the second round there's a couple of good off, offensive tackles late in the second round and then you just grab you can grab another receiver you can you can do whatever you want with that first round pick because you don't need to grab a quarterback sam Darnold is not bad
2: I'm actually glad you brought up the 49ers because it's funny. My next question was dealing with the rookie receivers. And um, this, was a, this was a great class of rookie receivers. Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins you saw play well. C.D. Lamb when they, the Cowboys actually had competent quarterback play was very good. And your mm-hmm. and your guy, Brandon Ayuk, who, who was very good this year as well when he was healthy. It's funny because I actually – when I was out – my league that I was out of the playoffs in once because uh, I have Ayuk in that league. Once I was eliminated, I I added Kyle Youshick and it changed my name to Ayushick, which which nice. <laughs> is just pretty funny. So, I love it. Um, which receiver, which of those receivers, or even another one that I didn't list, do you, do you think will be the the highest drafted in fantasy next year um, in terms of the upside? And which do you think could be a superstar? Which do you think will be a superstar first in terms of the development?
1: All right, so who's going to be drafted first and superstar is going to be Justin Jefferson. He's already a superstar. He went for fourteen hundred yards his rookie season, set a rookie record. Adam Thielen's thirty-two this year. Stefan Diggs is gone. They don't have another option. It's it's Justin Jefferson is just going to be just targeted so heavy this coming year, and he's shown he can already deal with it. Like he's he's dominated the entire NFL on his rookie season. Fourteen hundred yards your rookie season. I mean, come on, that's unbelievable. Um. A couple guys I think who can make a step forward is actually with Jacksonville. Lavisca Chenault. Mm-hmm. He showed that he's a guy who can make plays, just get the ball in his hands, and that's going to be kind of the focus for Urban Meyer. I think to get Trevor Lawrence started, you want to give some of those quick outs, some maybe some wide receiver screens, some quick slants, and let Chanel get some yards up to catch, get some yak going, and that's going to bring your confidence with Trevor Lawrence. It's going to just boost Lavisca Chenault and that will get the offense grow- that will get the offense going. So Mm Chanel, I think is going to be great. T Higgins. He's going to take over for AJ green. Like AJ green was gone this year. A T Higgins already did it. He, I mean, he had 600 yards receiving between weeks three and 11, Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. 11 when Joe burrow went out, he had four touchdowns as well. Uh, He had 65 targets during that span. So he obviously showed he has great chemistry with Joe burrow and that's going to be a high powered offense this next year too. We are
4: talking to content
1: manager of IDP
4: Guys Fantasy Football, Joey the Tooth Hagen. Now, Joey, let's move on to a little basketball conversation. And James Harden gets traded to the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, Kyrie Irving is missing in action. I don't know. He's hanging out, not wearing his mask, hanging out on a bus, going out to parties, going out to private parties, whatever he's doing. Were you surprised that the Brooklyn Nets gave up as much as they did to land Harden. And do you think, does this really put Sean Marks in, uh, put to, put him in the seat to possibly getting fired if this doesn't work?
1: Yeah, I was incredibly surprised considering they just had this failed attempt a few years ago mm-hmm. with the Celtics, and you saw how far back that put them. Mm-hmm. Like, that's where we are now. They're, they finally had a, a young core, Jared Allen and um, Karis Levert, I mean, those two were very good players. Levert was showing great promise, and they just sent him off for a disgruntled veteran who already played with Kevin Durant, and they didn't win a championship. And they had a player like Kyrie Irving and Russell Westbrook who wanted to be the guy. Mm -hmm. Like You literally had this same trio, and it didn't work. So now you give up all your draft picks, you give up two promising young stars, and you're possibly going to be a top three team in the east that's going to lose in the
2: playoffs (laughs) so i want to i want to go back to what you're doing with with fantasy in particular i mean your main focus seems to be football but again there are a lot of of other fantasy sports that are really growing as well so uh, with your company in particular like what are your favorite football and also other sports formats if you are involved with other sports and also you were telling me uh what a couple hours ago, Um, you have actually a lot of very creative formats. So tell the fans about that, some of these creative things that you do with your leagues and also uh, with your company.
1: All right. So uh, when the pandemic broke out, we were all home and uh, we were all on furlough for a while and we decided we were just going to do a couple of fantasy startups and dynasty startups. So we decided we were going to do your regular offense and then IDP, Individual Defensive players and we did 11 on each side of the ball just like a full football team so you have you have uh four defensive linemen three linebackers and four defensive backs on your squad and you have a full 53 man roster
4: Hmm.
1: and you can set your roster however you want however you want on your bench you had a we i think we had 10 uh, ir spots just because of covid Mm -hmm. but literally so you're going through these drafts and you're going through each week and you are just you're so deep into the rosters that you really learn everybody's freaking team. Mm-hmm. Like you're covered head to toe of all these teams and you can, you can stream weekly almost by just, I don't know. Like you don't even have to think too hard cause you're, you've already been just diving through every roster because it's so deep. So we're in like, I think we did 17 startups of 53 man rosters and mm-hmm. it was absolutely insane. <laughs> Absolutely insane. Now I need to cut back because I'm trying to <laughs> trying to go through uh, 25 total leagues and 17 of them are 53-man rosters. It's like, that's insane.
4: Yeah, it sounds insane. That's why I don't – I didn't do fantasy this year. I a lot of people ask me what was the reason behind it. I told you the reason behind it. But all in all, I miss doing fantasy because it keeps your eye on uh, not just your team but the players that you have on your team, you know, because fantasy has changed – Really, everybody's perspective of being a fan—not only of your team, but a certain particular player—and now, when you look at sports, it's really not about. You know, when we grew up, when I was when I was in my 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 teens, it, I was all about my team, and I still today to this day am all about my team. I'm not a fan favorite of one player to the uh, to another, but mm-hmm. now. These kids, these young kids that are playing fantasy sports, they're all about the player. Steph Curry, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, um, Tom Brady, uh, Aaron Rodgers, or Patrick Mahomes. That's what everybody cares about now. It's They're not all about the team anymore. So are you surprised fantasy sports has really blown up over the last five or six years because of that?
1: Um I'm not. I think it is because of that, because you don't have people looking at teams anymore. Like they're so focused on players that it makes fantasy that much more. And what it really does, I think just watching players, it forces you to it helps. with First off, it helps people who stream. Because it, you have to watch every single game. If you're a fantasy football player, you're not watching one team. Like You're not watching your local stations. You're watching every single team. You're doing as much as you can. So people like NFL Red Zone are loving fantasy football right now.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: But I think that that's really the reason why it has blown up with everybody. Because they they everybody knows how to watch every single game, how to do this. And it's just the whole technology of it all. Everything's technology-based these days. And I think that's a big part of it. But... What I love about fantasy football and especially on the IDP side, like I started doing IDP eight years ago. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Once I started having defensive players that I had to draft and I had to look at, I started watching both sides of the football. So now here I am. I used to just watch football and be like, yeah, this is cool. Now I'm watching guys who are getting pressures, who are covering well, who are getting all the tackles. And it's like it's a whole new football game to me. It's like I understand every part of the football game now just because of fantasy football. I've I've had to dig so deep.
2: So I want to ask you, you're being a 49ers fan. Uh, there's a lot of rumors swirling around that they might be trading Jimmy Garoppolo, uh, their the bad contract is looking even worse now with his injury issues and there's also rumors that the Niners might be in the running to trade for Deshaun Watson too who's really badly wants out of the Texans so they're going to have d- to give up a lot they for are. him they are now i, I was know. i was saying last week that the Niners are one of those teams that might be able to afford it more than some of the other teams that are rumored because they don't need a lot a lot of other things on their roster maybe outside of another receiver another corner they have a lot of good players already so what would you give up in order to make that kind of trade? And would you encourage something like that, or would you rather maybe trade up in the draft for a quarterback, or draft, may, draft maybe a Zach Wilson if he falls, or a later round guy if you don't trust Jimmy G? Or do you hang on to Jimmy J?
1: No, I'm a, I'm I'm pushing for Deshaun Watson. The reason being is their Super Bowl window is still open. I mean, they were bad this year because their entire roster was injured. So Andy and you and you've lost your starting quarterback. Who, I mean. Jimmy Garoppolo, I, I gave him some props because he was an Emmanuel Sanders overthrow away from a Super Bowl. And that overthrow just killed me. It it ripped my gut out. <laughs> but Deshaun Watson, I think he led the league in passing yards this year with no receivers. With zero receivers. He had Will Fuller. Will Fuller was his wide receiver one when he was not suspended or injured. So it's like Deshaun Watson obviously has it. So then he joins an offense the 49ers, who have a fantastic running game, and he can run some RPOs, he can run some play, some uh, some options, news play action. He's got Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, and then you can add another receiver if you want to. But I, I just think the situation and what the offense could be with a very competent quarterback who's still young and is is proven to be good that their Super Bowl window is easily still open.
4: They're going to have to give up a lot for Deshaun, Deshaun so, Watson. Deshaun Watson, I'm thinking. You're you're talking about the Jets. Now, I'm looking at some of the boards right now, what their people are saying, what the Jets are going to have to give up. Sam Darnold and possibly three first-round draft picks. I mean, now you're talking about four first-round draft picks adding Sam Darnold. Uh, You're you're probably going to have to give up four first-round draft picks. You're going to probably give up your whole future for Deshaun Watson, the same Deshaun Watson who has two ACL injuries in one of his leg and one ACL injury in the other. So you're, you're putting a lot on a guy that if he tears another ACL or does something to his knee again, he might not be the same quarterback again. That's, that's a lot to give up for one player, don't you think?
1: I do. I agree. But the, the lure is if you get a guy like Watson in, so you give up – say you give up three first-rounders. So Kyle Shanahan thrives – with like fifth round running backs and somehow making them thousand yard rushers. So he doesn't need that first round, second round pick to get a running back. He's going to find somebody late. They already have Ike and they already have Debo Samuel, both proven Uh, George Kittle, top two tight end in the league. And they, and Kendrick Bourne has even shown to be a somewhat okay wide receiver three. Mm -hmm. So you have a decent core. You give up a couple of draft picks Kyle Shanahan's been hitting pretty well on his mid round picks. So you use those mid round picks to build your depth. Your defense is already good. You have D Ford's going to come back from injury. He's going to be a pass rushing specialist. You have Eric Armstead. You have um, Nick Bosa, who's going to come back from his ACL. He's going to be Nick Bosa. Um, you have Ken laws a year in who, who looked good in, at moments, but he obviously wasn't Buckner, but he, he was a rookie and you just upgrade your secondary. That's all you really need to do from there is update, upgrade your secondary. And, if you're going through the draft to do that, you can always grab those guys third round and deeper. And if you land Deshaun Watson, all of a sudden you're already a Super Bowl contender. Now you're lure to veterans that want to come play.
4: It doesn't bother you for what you've seen uh, Kyle Shanahan do in the Super Bowl. I he This is a guy that's had great running teams in Atlanta. What are you laughing at? What are you giggling
2: at? Wait, uh, no, you're right. a part of perspective, Joey, Errol and I argue about this all the time.
4: Now – You saw what he did with Atlanta. Atlanta should have won the Super Bowl. Kyle Shanahan was the offensive coordinator. He stopped running the ball with the last nine minutes of the game. There was no way the Patriots were going to come back in that game, being that they were down almost three scores. There was no way in hell. All he had to do was run the ball, and he started throwing the ball. Then you see last year in the Super Bowl, they were up by ten points against Kansas City. They were on their way of winning a Super Bowl. And all of a sudden, you had arguably one of the best running teams in the league, top three running offenses in the league, and then all of a sudden, you stopped running the ball the last seven minutes to the game, and you start throwing the ball with Jimmy Garoppolo, and what does he do? He coughs up the ball, and they lose the game. Does that not worry you that Kyle Shanahan, when the game comes tight, when the game it becomes tighter, that he stops doing things that he is great at?
1: I don't. The, the Patriots Super Bowl, yes. That one really bothered me. But the Super Bowl last year, so, they weren't running the ball well in the second half. They really weren't. They weren't running the ball well in the second half. Kansas City was hell bent on stopping the run. Like they were putting every effort they had in stopping them. They were going to make Jimmy Garoppolo beat them. And they were one pass away from a first down to extending a drive. And everybody thought, why not run the ball? Why not run the ball? It was a play action that George Kittle was wide open across the middle for the first down. And Jimmy Garoppolo had him in stride, but Chris Jones made a beautiful play at the line, got his hand up and swatted it down. That was a great play call personally, I think because you run the ball you're getting stopped because they're they're putting eight in the box. They were putting pressure up the middle. He was going to get stopped. They're punting anyway. This, you have the chance. You have the best tight end, second best. I'll, I'll give it to Kelsey, whatever. And he's open. He George made the Kittle, right play.
4: George Kittle is the best tight end in football. Yeah, offensively, yeah that's right. Offensively, all around, tight end, I would give it to Kelsey. But offensively, it's George Kittle, hands down.
1: Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, the call was great. He was open. He had his man. Chris Jones just made a beautiful play at the line. So actually,
2: what was interesting about that Kyle Shanahan thing, I actually blamed him a little more for the 49ers than the Falcons, which is interesting. Now, my thing was, and maybe this is why they weren't running the ball as well in the second half, it seemed like they were running the ball a lot from empty formations and shotgun a lot more than... um, then maybe running with Uschick in the backfield or running, even maybe putting Kittle in the backfield, to block. Um, mm-hmm. do you think Shanahan could have done that more once they saw Steve Spagnolo adjust more? Because I think that was the big reason Chris Jones could have, he was phenomenal in that second half. He, and,
1: was. he and really was making
2: all those plays. So do you think maybe that was the biggest reason they couldn't run the ball? And maybe Jimmy G had, uh, as a result, maybe lost some confidence when they saw that kind of pressure.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think pressure, I think the pressure definitely gets to Jimmy G, but, um, Spagnola definitely won that battle with Shanahan. Like, he he made the adjustments, and Shanahan could not make the adjustments later in the game. He tried with different play calling. If honestly, they were running the ball at the middle, they should have done some more zone outside. They really should have. They should have gone outside. They were getting beat in the middle. I mean, they the Chiefs don't have a good linebacker group. Get outside. If you can get outside, if you can get off the edge, get your, your offensive lineman and set the edge, you're going to get at least three, four yards every time you run the ball. Kansas City's middle of their defense is not good. They have Tyron Matthew who roams all over the place. He's the one making the plays, but their linebacker unit is horrendous, and their cornerbacks are pretty good, And but their D-line is their, is their strong point.
4: We are talking to content manager
1: of IDP Guys Fantasy
4: Football, Joey the Tooth Hagen. Now, Joey, tell why don't you tell the fans a little bit about Robert Sala? You have, you're a 49ers fan. I think a lot of... Jet fans are very excited. Uh, we're also hearing that Mike uh, LaFleur is going with him uh, from the 49ers staff. Uh, he was the, the wide receiver coach. Uh, he will be the offensive coordinator. He's an up-and-coming uh, offensive coordinator. Some people think in the next two or three years he's going to be a highly profiled uh, head coach in the NFL. Why don't you tell the fans what should we be excited for with these two guys?
1: Uh, number one, Robert Sella's passion. Dude's got passion for the game. He was a linebacker's coach in Seattle, too, when Seattle had the Legion of Boom. So you saw how passionate that defense was. Then you see the 49ers. When he got to the 49ers, their defense was horrible. Like, it was young. The Niners were on the downside. And he took a team that was kind of not even put together yet. It was Shanahan's first year, I believe. And he made it a respectable defense. So Sala, as a defensive coach, is an incredibly intelligent man. He's got passion. He's got structure. So he, like his his team, follows him. His team listens to him, and he doesn't have guys who lash out. He's they everybody buys in. He sets a system. Everybody buys in. Um, Lafleur, he's a he's a he's an offensive coach that he gets his guys. So Debo Samuel was their guy. Uh, Brandon Ayuk was their guy. Obviously, they traded up for Ayuk they, they uh, coached Debo Samuel in the senior bowl and they got those two guys and it's just his eye for talent. I feel like he's got, they have an eye for talent at the wide receiver position. I mean, we all liked Debo Samuel and Ayuk from a standpoint, but I saw Ayuk was more like a second, third rounder. Debo Samuel was definitely a second rounder and they traded up for Ayuk in the first round and it paid off. I mean, now you're going to be running these jet sweeps. You're going to be running these bubble screens. You're going to be running a lot across the middle. It's It's yards after the catch, man. And you already have Jameson Crowder there, who's killer with that. And he's got a rapport with Sam Darnold. So I think, honestly, next year, Jameson Crowder is going to have an even better year than he had these past two years. So give me one player,
2: without knowing anything with the situations, you can anticipate all you want with free agency in the draft. One player that you think people are going to draft too high that you think could bust and one sleeper that do you think they could get in a double-digit round for this fantasy season, if you were to tell me right now.
1: Oh, let's see. All right. So just one. One for each, yeah. Okay. Um, one guy I think people are going to overdraft because they fell in love with him this year, and I'm going to catch a lot for this, is Gabriel Davis from uh, Buffalo. Mm-hmm. He came on strong at the end of the year, and I like him. But what happened to him this weekend? He had four targets, zero catches. John Brown might be faded from the team, but he's not going to be gone next year. They're going to keep John Brown around because he's going to be cheap, and they're going to, they are going to—they already made a run with this team. So Gabriel Davis is going to be a guy who's going to be drafted. He's still going to be drafted low, but he's probably going to be like eighth, ninth round. Somebody's going to draft him as a wide receiver, two wide receiver, three. And i I don't think he's going to be – living up to what every like the hype he's got a lot of hype with minimal production right now. I mean, he's shown promise, but it's still not like he's had a breakout.
2: So what about the other way to the, the 10th round, maybe ninth round, like late round value that you think will be a, a big breakout this year that you think
1: um, Damian Harris with new England hmm. running back. I mean, nobody ever really talks about him, but when he played this year, when he had, when he got a full workload, he was pretty dominant. Really? I mean, he wasn't like special. He wasn't, he's not your all around back, but he, he was like a five yard per carry guy. And when you're in fantasy, if you get a guy who's getting 15, 16 touches a game, he's getting five yards per carry. You're pretty happy with that. And he's going to be the goal line back in new England. I think Sonny Michelle is going to be gone. Uh, James White was faded already for Rex Burkhead. So I think that running back group is going to all of a sudden start to fizzle out, and it's going to be Damian Harris. Who would have thought
4: that? Uh, who would have thought that Bill Belichick's drafts in the last four years, with Sonny Michelle, was a first round draft pick? He's out. James White, who was a big part of a couple of their Super Bowls, he should have been the MVP of the Super Bowl when they went when they went to against overtime Atlanta. against Atlanta, and mm-hmm. and they gave it to Brady. Uh, he's gone. Uh, are you surprised that Bill Belichick, in the last couple of years, has not been successful in the draft? Because this guy has been a mastermind when it comes to drafting.
1: I yeah, a hundred percent. Because he has been, he gets guys and they just succeed in his system. I don't know if it's if he's just. I don't know. I think he's starting. Bill's starting to lose some of his passion. I really do. I think he's. They've had issues with uh, Kraft over the years, like the past year or two. Him and Kraft haven't seen eye to eye. Tom Brady's gone. I think Bills kind of just like, all right. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna get some guys. I'm gonna fill some needs. But whatever, you're for the future.
4: I really think that uh, when he gets some of his guys back from COVID 19, missing the whole season, and they find themselves a quarterback, because you know. Bill Belichick's going to be either getting, you know, trading for a quarterback this offseason, and I've been calling it, and I'm going to say it again, Matthew Stafford is a guy that would fit the culture of the Patriots. And he would be a, an unbelievable quarterback. I don't want to see him because I'm a Jet fan. I do not want to see Matthew Stafford in the AFC East. I don't want to see him in the AFC East. But this guy this guy is an accurate thrower, a great arm, and with the weapons that the Patriots could have, especially throughout this draft, and even some of the guys that they missed. Edelman didn't really play this year, uh, losing him. Um, uh, What's his name again from Arizona State? Who really? And Nikhil Harry has not really done anything yet. I, and I told everybody, I did not like Nikhil Harry uh, as early as he got drafted in Never. the first round. I did not think he was a first-round draft pick. I thought he was a second-round draft party. pick.
2: No, Speedy loved him. I did. I Speedy did. loved him. I did, I did, but I worried about him for fantasy, though, because with the Patriots, I didn't know. Because they never had big body receivers, but I loved him as a talent at the time.
1: I didn't. I didn't, I didn't but like him at all. He's got a big body, but he just can't separate one bit. So mm-hmm. if you can't separate, you're not getting targeted.
2: Exactly. And that's what makes Edelman so
4: special is his separation, opening up the separation in the slot and what he does on inside and out. That's what makes him it- so great.
1: And you're starting to see that more in uh, wide receivers these days. So uh, not everybody's looking for that hairy type player. They're looking for guys like Stephon Diggs, Devontae Adams, who can line up inside, outside, and it's route running. Mm-hmm. They have decent size, but it's route running. It's being able to separate and it's it's getting open. So you who open, do, so fall. who do
4: you think? I'm sorry, I'm, I'm sorry to cut it. Who who is the wide receiver in this year's draft that really really stands out to you? Oh, man.
1: So it's it's tough. It's a, it's both. It's Jamar Chase and it's Devonta Smith. I've fallen in love with Devonta Smith because last year when I was watching um, I was watching Tua, Jerry Judy, and um, Henry Ruggs, as you're watching him, Smith was the one jumping out. He was the one jumping out on tape, and he's the one that stayed. They all left. And you watch him this year, and he was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. So everybody's saying, ah, he's thin, he's thin, he doesn't have a big frame. Watch him block. Watch him block. He's a great downfield blocker. Watch him at the high point. The guy can win contested catch situations. He may not have big arms, but the guy plays much stronger than his frame. We all saw what Chase can do with Joe Burrow. That was an unbelievable offense. But the fact that he sat out a year, I'm sure he's been training and everything, but Smith's now got – he's got just – he's got momentum going into the NFL. So he's got – he's just been unbelievable. What, he went for 200 yards? Mm Mm-hmm or 100 something yards and three touchdowns in the first half of the of the last game 200
2: something yards 214
1: in yards yeah. in the
2: first half 214 yards <laughs> Imagine, t- imagine t- what happened if he didn't get that that hand injury <laughs>
1: Right and it's like you take that and you so I would love to see him honestly so if the Dolphins hold on to Tua I did a I did a first round mock recently and I had at 3 I went DeVonta Smith and I think it was 24 when they picked next. I had them take Najee Harris. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I have, you get the the wide receiver one and the RB one, and you have guys who played with Tua. So now Tua is going to be a little more comfortable because obviously last year he was very uncomfortable.
4: I think Najee Harris will go to the Jets at 23. I, I did. I That'd do be, I love because him. because you know the kind of offense that the 49ers like to run it's it's all the running it's run first throw second and Najee Harris can dominate the line of scrimmage the way he right. runs the ball he's got great feet
1: he would Angry be yep yeah, he'd be he's perfect
4: he'd be perfect in that offense be perfect in that offense what the Jets are going to run. And it will help Sam Donald because he's a good blocker. He can run mm-hmm. inside and out of the, you know, the hashes. So he can do everything that you want, to, uh, want a running back to do. And and with, with Michael Piran, yep. he's your second guy. You could also have Johnson. You could have a three-headed monster, you know. So I, yep. I think that's where the Jets will go as far as 23 is concerned. At number two, it's going to be very question. It will be question going into this draft. Do the Jets move down and draft a wide receiver? Or do they draft the Sewell kid who could solidify their offensive line for the next 10 years? You have Makai Beckham on one side and Sewell on the other side. Who's going to get to Sam Donald? Who's going to touch Sam Donald? Nobody. You're right. gonna, the only way you're going to be able to get inside is you're going to have to go inside on him. And, if they, and, and with the money that the Jets have, you know the Jets are going to be going after Tooney. Uh, from the Patriots. You know they are because Douglas wanted him last offseason and he fr- was franchised mm-hmm. by the Patriots. The Patriots are not franchising him this year. They're not paying him what he wants. So, he's on his way out. So, why not add two offensive linemen solidify your offensive line and and have the one of the most dominant young offensive lines in football?
1: Yeah, that, that, I mean, that'd be great, especially for Sam Darnold. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I think the kid, at, at Sam Darnold is good. He's He's an accurate passer. He's just been getting his butt beat past few years. He's just getting beat up. His line is terrible. I mean, Gase is putting out Frank Gore. I love Frank Gore. One of my favorite players of all time, but he's not going to get the ball moving for you. So it's, it's just, I feel bad for Sam Donald. He got gazed. He got gazed.
4: <laughs> I never heard that uh, before. He got gazed. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's just terrible
4: anyways uh joey why don't you tell the fans how they can find you on social media
1: all right you can find me on twitter at joey the tooth idp uh you can find me with idp guys doing a uh, content manager you can f- look at my podcast the idp update which i will i took a hiatus for a little bit this year just because it's been a little hectic with the kid and everything of i course. got a 10 month old but uh, I'm starting it back up, I think, next week or the week after, and we're going to be hitting straight on uh, rookie edge class. So rookie pass rushers starting there. Mm. Um, we have uh, draft magazines coming out soon. We're starting rookie profiles. We we did our first draft magazine last year. We did a IDP side, and we did an offensive side. So it's got 50 profiles in each, so you can find who you want to draft in your rookie drafts. Um, from there, just <laughs> – Follow IDP, man. I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> well, we would
4: love to get you on when uh, you know when this football season, really for the draft. We'd love to know your in, in input when it comes to uh, where some of these teams, even your 49ers, if they're going to move up, maybe get a Zach Wilson. A lot of people think Zach Wilson would be a perfect fit in the Kyle Shanahan type of offense. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's something that we definitely like to talk to you about when after the combine, if there is going to be a combine. And uh, we would love to talk to you about fantasy sports. This guy right over here, he loves his fantasy. He's not very good at it, but uh, I'm up and down. He, he's
2: not. Good. Up we'll and have down.
1: to get you in one of those uh, 53-man rosters
2: Yes, and if I ever do join one of those, I, I'm I'm keeping the chick name just for you because you're a 49ers fan. <laughs> <I like laughs> <you. I like laughs> you.
4: But we love you. We would love for you to be a fan of the show. You can download our app. Speedy will send it to you, um, and and we'll we'll be in touch with you. We'd love to. To help you grow with what you're doing right now with IDP, and uh, we're happy we're, we're happy you joined us.
1: Yeah, and if uh, you want to talk some basketball too, I'm uh, I'm getting into the fantasy basketball too. But I've been a big fan of basketball. Unfortunately, Celtics fan for you. Sorry. Oh well, my brother just started fantasy. Sorry, basketball Sorry, I, I this love Tam Man.
0: Mm-hmm.
4: Yeah, well, you know, I, you'll you'll love my partner uh, Mikey C, who's a big Celtic fan too, and he's been telling me for the last couple of months. RJ Barrett is going to be a bust, and I said, "Well, if he's going to be a bust, why why does he have better numbers than Tatum his first two years?" And he says, "Well, that that's going to change the second it hasn't." So
1: <laughs> the uh, the one difference between the two that I will say, I'm not going to RJ Barrett's not going to be a bust by any means, but it's efficiency. He needs to be a little more efficient. Of course, Tatum was efficient; he's always been efficient. Barrett's a little bit of a a wildfire, but if he can get his game under control a little more, the sky's the limit.
4: Oh, absolutely. Mr. Tooth, thank you for joining us, and we're definitely going to get you on again. We really loved your insight on fantasy sports, your insight with football, the football season. Robert Salas, I mean, you gave us some, so, so much good information. Thank you for joining us.
1: No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Absolutely, we were just talking to
4: content manager IDP guys, fantasy football Joey the Tooth Hagen. The guy is awesome. Yeah, I really like him. Nice guy, great personality, knows his stuff too. Really, really knows Absolutely. his stuff. Absolutely. So, uh, I, I, anybody that wants to check him out, go check IDP guys fantasy. They 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 do fifty three man roster fantasy teams. I mean, that's crazy. Could you imagine staying in touch with not
2: only the the offensive side of the ball, you got to stay in touch with the defensive side of the ball. I was telling him, I was telling him when I was uh, setting up for the interview that it's like a Madden franchise mode, except you're competing directly with other like 53 man fantasy teams all at once. It's crazy.
4: It's crazy. By the way, the Islanders get another shutout. Uh, they, they either get shut out or they win by a shutouts.
2: <laughs> I mean <laughs> that that'd be quite a streak to go look at for fifty-six I mean, games.
4: <laughs> uh, hopefully when we see Sorokin back into the net, Because Volomov has played two games and has two shutouts. He's been unbelievable. <laughs> two game vessels and a winner. <laughs> it's unbelievable how and Volomov played very well in the playoffs too. He Absolutely. really did. Mm-hmm. But Sorokin is the future of this team. That's why Volomov is there. He's a, he's helping Sorokin figure things out. He's a Russian goaltender. Uh, you're bringing in a young Russian goaltender who's been, been been playing in the KHL for the last eight or nine years, and now you're bringing him here to the United States. So you got to figure him out. He, he got killed last uh, the last game on Saturday night against the Rangers. Hopefully. Uh, the Islanders will play a little bit more harder in front of him moving forward.
2: Yeah, the first two goals are really not on him either. Those are both breakaway goals or like fast break goals type of thing. I, I wouldn't put that on Sorokin either. The Rangers made some good defensive players or plays in the middle of the ice and got breakaways. I mean, it was those are hard to stop I mean, for any goalie.
4: Sorokin played well too. He did. He made some good saves too. It's it just unfortunate. His first game, he, he gives up five goals. But hopefully... Moving forward, we're going to see this kid uh, really start – I, I believe he's going to be a special goaltender. So uh, moving, being and playing under a, a veteran goaltender like Vlamov is only going to help him. And Vlamov has been really, really good uh, since the playoffs last year. He's been sensational. And if he keeps playing the way he is – yeah, he's he's on his way to win a Venzian a trophy. So
2: we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. I it, the other thing that's interesting too is how Sorokin's development is going to be, and if he does maybe take over at a certain point, he will. Um, Not this year, ha- next year. Okay, I was gonna, uh, that, that, that kind of answered my question. Do, do they try to maybe sell high on Varlamov?
4: No, I think they keep Valamov for a year because Valamov is going to help the kid start to, you know you know, feel feel comfortable being in the NHL. I mean, having Volomov there, a Russian goaltender from the same country you're from, is only going to help the development of this kid and and give the kid some confidence, knowing that he is like a father figure, a guy that he can look up to. And I think Sorokin has that, and I think it's going to help Sorokin grow uh, to uh, the, the, ta- man, yeah, the yeah. talented goaltender that a lot of people believe he's going to be. That's it for our show, ladies and gentlemen. I'd like to thank... Uh, Ryan McCarthy for joining us from belly up sports around uh, around for the weekend uh, really, really nice guy gave us some good insight of his thoughts of what 's going on in the playoffs in football, uh, his thoughts at hockey so and, and even his thoughts with baseball and also uh, IDP guys' fantasy uh, Joey the Tooth uh, Haken, who gave us some good insight with fantasy uh, Robert Sall if you missed the interviews, it was great interviews really, really was. Um, by the way, uh, Eric, man, uh, Eric, man, uh, Martini, Martini. I, you, I you can't pronounce name. your best friend's
1: last name. All of a
4: sudden. it's uh. uh, you know, <laughs> one of my good friends, uh, and, and Cleveland dash and all the guys, the beef, all the guys that think that Tom Brady was the reason why, uh, they won the game yesterday. Guys, hold up. Okay. Relax. The, these two, these three guys are out of their frigging minds. If they think that Tom Brady was the reason why they won that game yesterday, he wasn't. It was all about the defense and the mistakes that the Saints made and the better running team. I told everybody this. What wins championships? It's not the quarterback. How many times? If Tampa outruns and outduels defensively, the Green Bay Packers, on Sunday next week, Green Bay will lose. They will lose, no matter how good Aaron Rodgers is. But if Green Bay and Aaron Jones and that defense – do does what they did against Jared Goff this week and stopped the running game of the Rams and Ecker who was has been fabulous for the last 6 or 7 7 weeks they're going to win because they have the better quarterback.
2: If That's all I'm going to say about that. If the Bucks do not outrun the Packers at all, they're not winning that game because that's the one big flaw. You talked about the receivers earlier. They're not great. But the biggest flaw in their roster construction is their middle of their field, linebackers, defensive linemen. They have had trouble stopping the run for a long time. If they don't outrun, I don't think they have any shot at winning. No, I don't think they
4: have a shot at winning anyways. That's it for our show. We'll be back uh, below the mic on Wednesday. Stay tuned for that. Until then, this is Errol Marks and Mr. Tidy Waddy himself, Speedy Petey, saying good night. We'll talk to you then. Good night, everybody.
0: It is the Worldwide Sports Radio Network.